You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for the weekly Supercoach Fix. We've got TLT Round 5 this week. Really big month of footy that we've just gotten through for Supercoach. It's been a pretty big round that's just passed. Really excited to have Wilfred back on. Wilfred last came on for our Talking Footy episode, where we discussed the Broncos, among many other things. So that was great. But haven't had Wilfred on for a Supercoach one for well, probably a couple of months so Wilfred, also known as Catfish, also 2016 Supercoach overall champion and also co-host of the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast. Welcome back, mate. I mean, I'm really excited to have you on for Supercoach Talk now. Yeah, thanks, Barnsley. As always, I uh, love coming on. Uh, always a good chat, footy or Supercoach, and I guess especially Supercoach, especially with uh, a certain player going pretty well last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mitchell Moses killed it, didn't he? <laughs> of course he did. Jack Whiten's gone right too. <laughs> Mate, Jack Whiten, I tell you, it's it's one of the best bad decisions I've ever made, I've, I've got to say. So he's, what, he's averaging over 65 points now for me. He's going to be you know, within 75K or something of a Cody Walker swap this week for me. So um, it's no, it's no deal bag, so yeah. let's, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> So for those listeners that don't know, me and me and Wilfred have a, a running friendly battle about uh, Dylan Brown because since uh, Dylan Brown was a wee boy of about five years old, Wilfred's been a fan and uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't really rated Dylan Brown for most of his career very highly. So I'm, I'm going to give the first few years to Barnsley on his career, <laughs> but Wilfred's definitely come up trumps in the end this year. I'll, we'll I'll, see I'll, if it continues. To be clear, I've always been a fan for Supercoach first and foremost. Just the way he plays, obviously a bit of a ball hog and you know, tackle bus galore. And now he's finally found some a little bit of attack. So that's it's all starting to come up, come come together. It is. And I will give him his due credit when we talk about the Eels a bit later in the podcast. For those that uh, don't know or haven't listened before, Wilfred, as I said, co-host of the Supercoach Champions podcast. So jump on that one if you haven't heard it. There's some great insights from some guys that have won previously before or ranked highly with some of the other guys too. Uh, Wilfred, this episode, we're going to go through a little bit of a quick review. And normally it's our strategy chat, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and talk 15 minutes of strategy. Then we're going to go into TLT and review the round ahead in round five with a, a lot of interesting choices to make this week. So, Wilfred, first things first, before we get into that, let's have a look at the round that was a little bit and then talk a bit about strategy. Uh, one of the interesting things is that we had 700-plus scores on last week's Supercoach podcast with Billy. I mentioned the, the, the tons were up on our first couple of rounds, uh, so certainly it looked like it was trending in that direction. We now have in round four that's just passed three scores that have surpassed the, the highest super coach score that we've seen so far, basically. I'll mention that the third one there is Dylan Brown for you, 131 points, 144 for Moses, which was massive, and obviously the huge 193 to Pappenhausen. So there were three really big tons in there, uh, and I think that's the other takeaway too. Aside from there definitely being more tons now, uh, there's the bigger ones that are starting to creep in as well with the big games. And we also had guys that were really close. You know, Taylor May and Munger Blake were both at 97 points. Uh, so certainly nine scores at 97 plus is, is bigger than the first couple of weeks that we saw. 
and as far as the 80 pluses, you know, we ended up with uh, 20 plus of those uh, and a lot of 70s too. So even if you go back to the 70s, and I know people might think that's a bit pedantic, you know, we had 35 guys that went 75, 70 plus, which again, much better than the first couple of rounds. So I guess, Wilfred, for Supercoach purposes, you know, I'll throw a couple other little stats at you and then get your opinion. Uh, but the first thing with strategy and, and talking Supercoach is has a scoring gone up because last round of footy, we had seven out of eight games that were 13 plus deficit, um, that were 13 plus wins to the teams. Uh, the rounds before, round three, we only had three games that ended up in a 13 plus margin. Round two, three games that were a 13 plus margin. Round one, there was only two games that was a 13 plus margin. So seven out of eight last round. Uh, are we seeing the scoring in Supercoach revert back to more what we saw last year? Yeah, I think that's a tough question because I don't, for me anyway, I tend not to, I try not to anyway, over, to overreact to just one round's worth of data or whatever. You know, the trend so far definitely has been that scoring's down, uh, but, you know, is is round four the first step in kind of a trend back to what we saw in 2021 as opposed to, I guess, you know, I was comparing the first few rounds to more like the 2020 type scoring, maybe even all, almost like 2019. So I, I feel like we're not going to go all the way back to 2021, despite what uh, PVL seems to want to see happen with his little attack on wrestling <laughs> uh, this this week. Um, but I, I do think there's going to be some games. And if you look at the matchups this week, there's the potential for a couple of games to be, you know, not just 13 plus, but, you know, 20, 30 plus even with the way some of the teams are traveling right now. Yeah. And like, I'm probably in the same boat. I don't think we'll get all the way back, but I do think it has swung last fortnight towards uh, not being quite as low scoring in Supercoach as what the first two rounds were. And by the way, last round of Supercoach was actually heavily deflated by the first game of the round, which was obviously the um, Tigers and uh, Titans match, which was terrible. And for Supercoach purposes, for those that don't know, it was the lowest scoring Supercoach match for Oh, forever. It was what six, seven years, twenty fifteen, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it was a very low scoring super coach match. Um, but I mean, you raise a really good point with the Vlandy stuff that's come out. Uh, and this, you know, I'll, if you want to hear me rant a bit more than what I'm about to about the Vlandy stuff and the changes to the game, listen to the Talk and Footy podcast in the next week because we're going to be all <laughs> over that. But just trying to stick to Supercoach, there's no. It seems like strategy-wise as well. This is the other point. There's no way that that can't affect it. Like if they're if they're going to say we're going to clean up the ruck and we're going to penalise more and we're not getting as many six agains as what we should be, then certainly that should change the scope of Supercoach even just a little bit as well to kind of open it up. Uh, and the other thing, along with that, Wilfred, is I think that we saw particularly last round all of a sudden the the, the bad teams are getting punished and they're dropping off, which didn't happen the first couple of rounds. Yeah, uh, I like I said, I try not to overreact, but definitely if if we're going to see, you know, somewhat of a revision in terms of the interpretations or maybe how the refs are instructed to uh, referee the games to more 2021 levels, it could potentially, yeah, have a big adjustment. And it, this is frustrating, right? Because we started, we looked at rounds one to three and we identified some scoring trends and things like that. And you make your decisions um, based off, yeah, in terms of who players you traded, like for example, I I jumped on Isaiah Yo, and if I knew that we were going to head back towards twenty twenty one type scoring, mm-hmm. there's no chance he would be in my team. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's not the right type of player. I made that decision based off thinking we're going to be going back to twenty twenty when Yo was a seventy 
like 70 plus average in non-injury affected games. So that's frustrating for us super coaches, but I do think we have to be cognizant and kind of make adjustments as we go. Yeah, I agree with that. And I made the same move too. I got Yo in um, early on because I sort of thought that the the base and the minutes were, were going to be better than going for the high clutch forwards. Uh, and that was, again, something that um, we'll need to see what happens with. And I take your point too, that it is a small sample at the moment, but looking ahead, uh, I don't see it sticking how it was the first couple of rounds. And it's a, it's a big call too, because the first, like if everyone remembers pre-six again, you know, before those changes came into place, it completely changed the game both on the field in real life, but also in fantasy terms for games like Supercoach. It, it really changed it immensely. So it, it'll be, I'm not going to say interesting, I'm going to say worrying to what degree they're actually going to push this change because, you know, they, even if they go just a little bit, it's going to have an effect on it. But if it was something where they really pushed hard, and I don't think that they will because I think they'll get too much pushback. But if they pushed really hard, like they did when they implemented, you know, the six again last year, then it could have a, an extreme impact where all of a sudden we need to really start changing our opinion in the next couple of weeks of backs versus forwards and start looking more at the backs again. And, and like you said, be a bit dynamic in our thinking week to week. Well, while the game's changing, we've got to adjust. It's tough, isn't it? Because like there's one, and I think you mentioned his name earlier, one player in Cody Walker, that 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 decision will hinge, I think, really on what the scoring is going to look like. Because if we do go back to 2021 levels of scoring or even, you know, 80% of that, Cody Walker is, you know, I don't like to use must-haves, but he's going to be a guy that you'd really want to look at for the next couple of weeks, just looking at that draw. But if we're staying in 2020, look, he's still probably going to be a good purchase, but I don't think he's going to be as good as if the scoring does kind of go back. So it's a tough one, isn't it? It is. It's really tough. And it also, like, you know, I, I really, one of my big things with super coaches, I always spruik the planning and planning ahead and stuff. And you just have to throw some of the plans out the window a little bit um, if this happens. Hard plan. Yeah, right it, it's really hard. <laughs> the other thing too that I found myself doing the first couple of rounds is I was, obviously everyone's choosing their final couple of reserves. In the early rounds, it's choosing from some pretty rubbish players that you wouldn't normally be playing, you know, 10 rounds in. And that's always going to happen the first couple of months. And I was gravitating towards forwards. You know, I was gravitating. And a lot of people were saying, oh, player Max King, he's going pretty well. These type of forwards. But all of a sudden, you know, if we end up even, like you said, 80% of what was happening last year, then the other strategy change that you need to make is, instead of reserving these, you know, low ceiling uh, base forwards, you're actually probably better off going for those high ceiling backs. Like whether you want to go for, a, you know, a try scoring winger, I'm not going to say May because May's just a gun anyway, but like even a, a center like a Penasini, you know, maybe round two in a mid-tier matchup, I would have benched a Penasini and, and started a, a king or something. Uh, but now it would actually be the reverse decision on those type of sit and start guys. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, it's just funny because the story of my season so far, like my, my team's pretty all right. I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest. But I've left over 300 points on the pine like in two weeks just off the wrong start-sit decisions between my reserves. Going off that strategy, like I started off the year going with, you know, more wingers and centers, uh, going chasing upside, you know. Uh, play, I played Lachlan Ilias in round one thinking I'm going to go for the upside because he's against the Broncos. You know, that, that kind of decision when mm. the, the smart move in rounds one and two would have been just to go with your Josh Kings and Max Kings and stuff like that. Round two, I, I, I kept that same strategy and, you know, that's when I missed Josh Kings 85 and, and things like that. <laughs> 
so yeah, it's just been, uh, uh, it's just funny. Cause like last week I did go for some of the, the upside, like I played Penasini as one of my reserves mm. and I, I went with Nanai over like a Randall, you know, again, chasing the upside, but obviously that's backfired too. So it's just, yeah, like the points are in my team. They're just not in my starting 17, which is the fun part. So you went up a fair bit last week though. You ended up having a pretty good round. Uh, captaining Pappenhausen can help with that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but just that captaining of a Pappenhausen and having those big scores back really can swing things either way for you. So so I was completely killed on the weekend, but that goes to show, going back to our strategy talk, if we are going to swing that way, how important it is to have some of these players. Because if I had just that one different player, and Gutho didn't go bad, he still scored 60s. But if I just had Pappenhausen, I would have gone immensely better. But if I captained him as well, you know, that's it's like a 35,000 difference in round drink just last week for that one captaincy, one player. Yeah, uh, I will point to the fact that it's because Pappenhausen was 40%, 42% owned. Yes. That's the killer for you. Uh, and I think that's probably the difference there. You know, if someone else went large, that, you know, say even Turbo, if Turbo went 190, that wouldn't have hurt you that much because Turbo's ownership was like at 9% or something like that. Yep. So. It's just unfortunately for you, it was the 40% plus owned guy that just absolutely killed it. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it to people. My wife was like, how, how are you so, why are you so upset? It's just, you know, one round, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's like your worst hangover in the world the next day that starts in the afternoon. It's like when you go day drinking and like at seven o'clock, it just all sort of hits you and you start to have a hangover and you feel <laughs> crap and you're like, oh. You felt so good earlier and now you just are going to have a shit 24 hours and you just feel sick to the stomach. It's like 10 of your worst hangovers all in a row. Uh, but we, To be fair, the, the good thing for you is it happened on Sunday, right? It didn't ruin your whole weekend. That's because, true, yeah. It just ruined imagine the that happened on Thursday night. That would have killed you. For the rest of the <laughs> it could have it been a lot worse, uh, but, yeah, not much. Uh, look, I, I was actually not feeling too bad about it when he was sort of... It was on about 1.30 and I sort of thought I can live with that. You know, it's what 45 points difference to Teddy type of thing. You know, I, I could kind of live with it. Um, and as well, I had guys that went pretty well. Like I had White and get a 77 when Munster at the same spot got a 33 and stuff. So I thought, you know, that's all right. I can live with that. And then he went over for that bloody fourth try and he got the extra goal kicks on three extra tries and stuff. And then it was like, bloody hell. It's gone from 130, 135 with... 15, 20 to go to to 185 when there's still time left on the clock, you know. It's just a killer. But I don't want to lament that too much. Guys, if you want to take anything away from it, aside from getting a bit of insight into mine and Wilfred's team, the other thing to take away from it is that the scoring could be back and you need to adjust. And like Wilfred said, you need to be able to be flexible in adjusting your plans going forward and to be able to move with any changes that we see. But I think the next two weeks in particular is going to be really important in seeing how much it's going to impact the super coach scoring. Let's go into TLT, Wilfred. Let's chat TLT round five now and go through the teams. Before I do that, I do need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast, and that is Top Sport. If you don't know Top Sport, they are a 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They have fantastic service and often best odds in the market. You can find them at topsport.com.au or certainly download the app, and it's very easy to use too. But often best odds in market, like I said, but you can use a fantastic All-Stars promo code and they'll take great care of you because I'll know that you're one of our listeners. Just use SC All-Stars when you sign up for an account today and they'll know you're listening to this podcast and take great care of you. 
But we'll chat about some bets of the week as we go through the games. If you haven't heard of Top Sport or if you like a punt and you do it responsibly, make sure that you do gamble responsibly, but make sure that you sign up with Top Sport and give them a crack. TLT round five, Wilfred. First game of the round, the Knights up versus Seagulls. Obviously, the big news for this one to get it out of the way is Tommy Turbo is out for a month. Let's get your take on that one first before I go through a few of the stats and stuff. You know, Turbo out for a month. My first reaction to that was I was I was upset because I was like, there's still a reasonable amount of people that are holding Turbo could drop another 200,000 in the next two or three weeks. And those guys are going to be in a tough spot. So all of a sudden, it's a really easy out where the Turbo owners can grab a Teddy for a Broncos matchup, can grab a Pat for a Canberra matchup. And Pap's obviously got a big break, minus break even too. So I sort of thought it was a really easy out of guys that were going to, you know, you know, push Turbo to kind of ride him. Yeah, look, I tend to agree. Uh, my, my, I think my initial reaction was that I was like, well, it still sucks for them because we saw him have his best game, I think, for Supercoach purposes. And he was starting to look like, you know, maybe he was trending in the right direction. Uh, he was coming to the end of that tough stretch that he started off with for this season. And, you know, he was coming into not not like super easy games, but there was certainly some that were going to be a bit friendlier coming up for him. So in a sense, I was just like, well, look, that's one headache I don't have to worry about. Yeah, it means that they probably will jump across to what one of the fullbacks or two of the fullbacks that I've got. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's only 9% of um, super coaches and very few of them, I think, were at the pointy end. So I'm not too upset overall. <laughs> All fair points. Well, it does mean that Turbo is one of the most traded out players this week and with good reason, so we don't need to really discuss that much at all. Uh, Bullimore's the other guy in this game that's actually, for Market Watch, one of the most traded out gods. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite surprised that he's still in 36% of teams. Uh, I think that maybe people, just because he didn't play last week, people are sort of leaving him because he's a bit of a hard one to kind of solve as a problem. But he's got a break even of 58 and he's going to leak cash. So you know, next time he plays, he's he's going to leak uh, and he needs to come out of team. So that makes a lot of sense. So he's been trained out. I think that he needs to be trained out a bit more. Uh, but market watch in is the most appealing for this game. We have young Cooler. He's been named at fullback. The biggest thing with that is to temper expectations. Wolford, in the past, this has happened with somebody who's been named at fullback and Ruben Garrick's always found his way there. So, you know, I don't really care um, as a super coach purchaser. I'm going to go for him anyway. He's a minimum price guy. He has a four-point score in his first game in that rolling average. It's going to drop out after this week. So his break-even is going to go down even more. So I don't even mind if he's on the wing. I thought, you know, in real life, Cooler actually looked exceptional last week. I thought that he looked like he might have won a spot in the team over a Brad Parker anyway because he just seemed to offer so much. And from a Supercoach perspective, he scored 59 points with 35 raw base in 80 minutes. Uh, he was very, very good. So even though he's only got like a minus six break even, that, that should grow next week again uh, once that four drops out too. So something important for people to to realise. I guess, Wilfred, with your opinion on it, do you think that he's going to, A, stick in the team for that four weeks at least when Turbo's out? Because I do. And B, do you think that he's actually going to play fullback? Yeah, I, I for the first part of the question, yeah, I do agree. He should be in the team. Uh, whether it's at fullback, I honestly don't know. Uh, I do recall in the trial uh, where Turbo played, he played the first half and in the second half, Cooler was in the in the team as well. He played centre. He stared at centre in the second half and it was KO Weeks, I think, who came in and, you know, Wacko actually said to me earlier uh, when I had him on the Supercoach Champions podcast, he, he 
mentioned to me that he thought uh, Weeks had actually kind of stepped up and become the backup fullback if Turbo got hurt. So Weeks is sitting in the number 23 jersey, I think, uh, for for this week. So I don't know, honestly. Des is one of the hardest coaches to predict. But I do, you know, if I was looking at this thinking of what we do know of Des Hasler, I would say, yeah, cooler to center and or all wing potentially, and then Garrick to full back instead, or alternatively, I mean, we could see Kula to center, Tui Polotu come back out and Weeks go straight in at full back. Like those are both options that we could see happen here. Yeah, Tui Polotu, I, I I was kind of surprised to see him named in there, to be honest. I didn't think that he would stick. Um, so it, it's interesting, but as a super coach buy, uh, I actually like him a, a lot more than what the general public seems to like him as a super coach by like I, I think that he showed enough and that he, there's enough opportunity there that he's going to stick and I think people are, are being not turned off but not as impressed with his negative break even because that four's there uh, and you know next week it's going to be a lot bigger after he gets an initial rise and uh, over the next month of football he could legitimately solidify his spot in that side because he looked that good last week and one of the bad things for turbo owners but the good thing for him is that their upcoming draw is actually quite nice. Like Newcastle at Newcastle is a bit harder, but they haven't been playing. They didn't play great last week, I didn't think. But then they got like the Titans, which is a really good matchup. You know, the Sharks are, are reasonably hard for him, but this South Sydney have been giving away points after that. But the thing is, if he makes it through, you know, those easy game and then a couple of slightly harder games, although they're not the worst for him, um, he's then got the Tigers and Broncos around nine and ten. So, you know, he's actually got a pretty good draw coming up with a few really good games that you'd even play him for. So I think he's quite a good buy for this week. And obviously at 175K, you're going to make great cash out of him anyway, even if it's just a month. I um, So I'm I'm in a tough position where I don't have Taylor May yet. So um, obviously he's the priority, I would say, out of those two. I think that's a given. Um, yep. I... If, and my other trade is going to be going from uh, Chris Randall up to Harry Grant. So, you know, that's two of my trades. So if I want to get cool, I have to boost. And the alternative for me is I just sit and cop, you know, hope cooler doesn't go more than 40 or 50 and, and I'll buy him for like 215, 220K instead. And I think I might do that. Uh, it's, yeah. I mean, do you think he's worth a boost to get? <laughs> I think it depends how many you've used. And I've seen some teams that have been real boost happy where they've been like, oh, I've used three. Should I use my fourth? <laughs> it's like, no, don't. Please stop. Stop. Um, I've only used the one in round three. so I think if you've used one, uh, definitely I think it's it's worth it for round two. And I, I'll tell you why, and it's an interesting strategy for everyone listening too. Like, I think that the getting the, the cash makers in earlier in the season is a lot more valuable than later because obviously by sort of mid-season or sort of in another two months' time, you're going to want to have the base of a gun 17, really, and then you're obviously moving towards getting your keepers in. So guys that come around that are cash cows in a couple of months really don't matter that much. It's it's You want to get them as early as possible and then turn them into guns. So there may not be that many over the next month of football that come in that have the money-making ability of a guy like Kula. So I, I tend to think that if you've only used one boost and then use the second one, and I would to get cooler in, go double cheapies and then get your upgrade, which I think are really good trades for you, Wilfred, and I think a lot of teams are in the same spot. Yeah, let's see. I, I'm, I've been flip-flopping over it the whole week because my other thought was like, all right, I'll just cop the, you know, 40, 50 grand hit I'll pay for him next week and then, you know, I'll have that boost in my pocket for later. 
where maybe it's not about cheapies. Maybe I'm doing like a double gun upgrade or something like that uh, with one downgrade in, in one week. Uh, so I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And, you know, this, the, the reality is, is this is the first season we've had this opportunity to play around the trade boost. So I don't think yep. anyone's got a locked in strategy yet. So it's, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but I'll, yeah, good, good points. That I'll have to, you know, digest them and see, see how it looks by, by Thursday. I think that your strategy too, to, to just pay extra next week, like you're still going to be cheap enough where I reckon you can do that. And it probably becomes an individual team thing too, where who are you trading out? Like if you're trading out a guy that's got like a, you know, a 15 break even, then the money that he might make this week before he needs to be culled will offset a little bit on, on coolers upgrade next week. So maybe it's only an extra 20 grand that you're paying um, when you figure that out, if you change that guy. But if you've got someone who's going to drop 30 grand and cooler's going to go up 40 grand, then all of a sudden you, you, you're basically $70,000 off and that makes a difference too. So probably individual teams is going to play a part a little bit. Look, when we're looking at BEs in this game, um, the guy that comes up a little bit is Ola Kawatu, old holy moly, that was really popular a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's been a little bit underwhelming. You know, for round three, he ended up being a really big buy because he was coming up against the Bulldogs and he only scored 35 points, 35 in base. That was it. Played 66 minutes. Played 80 minutes last round. Only had 30 in raw base, but still ended up with 56, which is okay. But I think that teams that brought him in were expecting a lot more the last couple of weeks. So all of a sudden, there is some questions about, look, he's only 516,000, but I'm, I'm underwhelmed. There's a lot of other second row options that have started to come up that are better. He's got a... A BE close to 70, um, you know, maybe I should cull him. Um, for me, I think that you invested in him to play him and he's got some good edge games coming up, including this week when Newcastle uh, have Brody Jones on one edge, which I th- is that Ola Kawatu's edge? Well, I think right now they're, they're potentially starting both rookie, like Brody Jones and then it might be Momosia on the other side because like, Frizz has been named, but I think even Baz Tui is admitting they might just rest him for a week. Yeah, that's true. Make sure he doesn't get re-hurt. So uh, I definitely think the matchup's probably not too bad if, you know, it's a it's either Monmousia or Jones. I, I think, yeah, it should be Jones if Jones stays on the left. But, you know, if they don't have Frizz there, who knows which side they take. Uh, no season B season this one. So Top Sport better of the week. Top Sport have the Knights at $1.85. They've come right in from a $2.30 odd that a lot of bookies opened in at. I really like him at dollar eighty five. I reckon that you should get all over that one. But Warriors and Cows is the second game, uh, and look with this one, it's it's two teams that I guess we don't really know what to expect from Wilford to a degree. When we're looking at um, Market Watch, the outs are pretty simple. There's Hammer who's injured at the moment. He's been underwhelming. That makes sense. No one's really been traded in much, but one of the trade outs that's Continued to happen um, really a little bit last week and then more this week is Peter Hiku. And, like, I've lamented this one a little bit because I didn't get Hiku in, but, like, I I, I wanted to um, for that Broncos matchup. And I kind of said to myself when I sold myself on it, he's 360000 Um, It's going to be after Broncos, a tough game against the Roosters, and I'm going to live with that. And, you know, but after that, he's then got the Warriors, the Raiders and the Titans. And Warriors being his ex-team that he's playing this week now, uh, I think that he'll step up for it. And I sort of thought, well, you know, he'll get the money rolling back again. Now, last week he had a 41-point game against the Roosters which with a 37-roll base, which really wasn't that bad. And he has gone up almost 45,000 already. 57 BE, I tend to think that he could actually break that this week quite easily. And I, I would actually play him if I owned him. 
but I see that teams are, are pumping him out of their sides and really disappointed. I do think some of that's expectation, Wilfred. Um, I've said to a few teams, look, if, obviously if you can't trade anyone else for a May or even a cooler, then yeah, I get it. And May you have to get into your side and we'll talk about that a bit later. But if you're just trading him out for the sake of it and you've got, all, you've got other guys that can be cold in your centre wing, like I wouldn't just... I wouldn't even just think Peter Hickey might be a hold for a few weeks. I'd actually be playing him this week and be reasonably happy with it. I think I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, actually. If I had Hickey, I'd be pretty happy to play him this week. I do think a lot of it's just, you know, either people who haven't gotten a tail and mayor or a cooler and Hickey frees up a fair bit of coin to downgrade to those guys. And, you know, looking at the BE, it's probably another reason why people are going, well, yeah, he's picked. Let's cash him in, uh, which... You know, I tend to agree, like, if you're willing to be patient, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? People are in such a rush to trade out guys uh, and just try upgrade their team ASAP. Like, I've got people talking about nothing out already, and I'm just like, come on, <laughs> let's let's slow it down a bit. <laughs> got to be patient. And, like, someone like Hiku, like, I mean, people were trading him out after having him for one week. It's And now it's like people trading him out after two weeks. It's like, guys. Oh, that's not enough time. You can't give someone two weeks. And he's averaged like 37 over those two weeks. So, by the way, it's not like he's averaged 10. You know, it's it's premature. If you have to do it, it's one of those have-tos. But if you don't have to do it to get a May, then hold him and play him this week. I actually quite like him. When we're looking at BEs, uh, Cotter has come up, played 56 and 59 minutes the last two weeks from the 16 jumper, 55 and 54 raw base, Wilfred. He's all, he's all of a sudden got people's attention. 380-odd thousand, hooker, second row for Jewel. I get that he's had a really good work rate the last two weeks, um, and I get that you know he's now averaging 58 minutes a game. I'm a little hesitant on him just because he's close to that 400K mark and also because I, I don't know if those minutes are going to continue. I'm really neither here nor there on him. I wasn't a huge fan in the off-season when he was kind of flavour of the month before round one. Where do you stand on a, on a Cotter downgrade at 380K? Because certainly there's people like... Oh, for feeder owners that are saying, look, I'm going to jump off this week. I'm going to downgrade and, and get an upgrade somewhere else. I can get a cotter and, and maybe another 500K forward um, with the money from Fafita. So how do you feel about cotter this week, considering it's going to be his first price price rise? Yeah, I mean, with the price rise, I think his break-even is around a four or something like that. So he's not going to go anywhere crazy, uh, even if he has another good game. I do feel like getting to see what the minutes look like, I mean... If he keeps floating around that 55 to 60 minute mark, then you know at his PPM, I'm pretty happy with that at his price tag. And he could even be a buy just because, you know, Randall might be getting close to peaking soon cash-wise. And I can see the appeal of going Randall uh, to Cotter and then having like a, you know, if he's going to average 55 or whatever, that's pretty strong as a backup hooker option or, you know, with potential to later on, you know, if Cam McInnes bottoms out and he starts getting better minutes, then they're a pretty handy dual position to be able to swap them around. So I can certainly see the appeal. I, I'm i a bit like you in that I'm not sold just yet. Uh, he's passing the eye test for me, though. He does look really good on the field. So And it's just tough because, obviously, he adds something to the Cowboys that not many of the other forwards in the team can do, if that makes sense. Um, so he is pretty unique in that. And, and if he goes down, like I think the way the Cowboys look – attack wise and things like that will change again. So that's, that's kind of a little bit of a question mark there for me, but I do like, if I had to, you know, rate him as a trade and I'd probably call him a solid B 
Yeah, I, I think for me, it's probably when it comes down to it, just one of those things where it's not going to be bad for you, but it's not really going to be worth it. And I think you really got to, I do think one of the things that the trade boosts have done and also the additional trade volume that we have for this year is it's given people a, a bit of a false sense of security of, you know, I can sort of make as many trades as I want and it's cool. Yeah. It, it, it's really not. <laughs> like, you'd still do have to pick and choose. Like, I... I've picked and cho- like I've missed one or two of the the cheapies and even you know a guy that's gone well in King Josh King I just I just couldn't get him like I because I'd already missed out on on rises and it just wasn't worth it like you just you have to pick and choose when it's going to be worth doing for you and I just sort of think you know Cotter's going to give you okay points and he's going to give you maybe sixty or seventy grand but there's going to be better players down the track that you're going to wish that you spent that on for cash than getting Cotter in at three hundred eighty k. So I'm, I'm a bit off him, but I don't think it'll be terrible if you did it. Aiken, though, is an interesting one. So Aiken is turning up, not in the top 10 most traded out, but as a player of interest for this one, because he hasn't started the season as well as what we would have hoped. He's averaging 54 points a game. He scored 49 on the weekend. His base was actually 51 on the weekend, which is a really big takeaway. You know, his raw base has still been 48. He's just been getting, like, no base attack and no clutch attack, aside from one try. Um, now that's that's the real story here. His base has still been everything that we hoped for, but Wilfred he's got a BE of forty odd. He's just under five hundred thousand, and I'm seeing teams jump off. You know, looking at upgrading him, particularly in the centre wing. I, I really don't see the need for it. Uh, it's a really good matchup this week against the Cowboys. I'm pretty happy just to keep playing him because even when he's you know pretty terrible from a super coach perspective, he's still giving me like. 54 points a game in my center wing and that's before he does anything so I, I don't get jumping off Aitken at the moment and I think that he's only a week or two away from getting his try line break and all of a sudden scoring an 85 and you know making money and, and making people happy again so I'm definitely looking at him as a hold. 100% agree I've got no intentions of trading out Aitken plays around 13 so you know if he if things change after Torhu Harris comes back or whatever that's a post round 13 problem for me. Yeah, don't don't tell him. Just told him. Tell other people because they can can't hurt you. That's the thing. Can't hurt you. Lolo as well. Um, I've seen some people, even now after last week. So Tom Lolo scored a sixty-eight last week. He's his best score of the year, and still people are saying, "Oh, he's been underwhelming." You know, I might have to get rid of him because I don't have another Ford to trade out, and I want to get like a Murray or someone in. Murray, Lolo also plays round thirteen. Lolo also has a really good matchup against his Warriors team this week. Um, I expect him to score sixties again this week. 59 in raw base last week. Uh, sorry, 54 in raw base last week, but 59 minutes is the highest that he's played. So we finally got pretty close to the 60-minute mark. If that's going to continue, you know, Lolo's going to be really good. I'm really excited for Lolo this week. I think he's going to be a, a gun scorer. Um, last one on this one, because there's no C's and VCs, but for the play and sit, Nanai is such an interesting one. Um, I would think with some of the defence that the Warriors have shown and the points that they can give up, that someone like Nanai is really suited to this game. But he's also got that floor of scoring a 35 or a 37, like he's done two out of his four weeks. But obviously the other two weeks he scored a 56 and a 100. Uh, and the 100 happened to be against the Broncos, sorry. Where, <laughs> I benched in that game too. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I didn't, so I was happy. But 100 <laughs> against the Broncos who notoriously do have some, some weak edge defence can give up um, points. I'm leaning towards playing him this week for the upside. I think he could go well. And, you know, 
the pattern for him. If anyone believes in patterns, it's generally good, bad, good, bad. So we're <laughs> up to a good week here, right? So what are you doing? Are you going to sit or are you going to uh, play that on? At this stage, he is currently in my team ahead of uh, Tui Lungi, yep. Max King, Tom Starling, and Brad Schneider. I reckon that's a good call. And he's I've got most of those players in. He's ahead of all them for me too. So I'd be starting him. Uh, for top spot, better the week on this one. Dollar eighty six for the Warriors, uh, and dollar ninety eight for the Cowboys. Real tough one. Um, I reckon that the Cowboys at a dollar ninety eight might be good value. Though as outsiders, still going to be played in Queensland, so I'm going to get on that one. I'm not a I'm not a punter, but I would say don't bet on this game because you never know which team's going to show up for either of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm certainly not going to say it's my bet of the week. That's for sure. Um, you might be better <laughs> off going the over thirty six and a half points at a dollar ninety. Broncos Roosters, this is the game of the round. The blockbuster, Wilfred. <laughs> this is why I'm on the pod this week, is it? <laughs> well, you know, if, if it really was, I'd get you on next week after we put 40 or 50 on. <laughs> well, you know, I'd just say no if that was the case after. <laughs> uh, look, when we're looking at Market Watch for this one, there's, there's three really big outs. There's Stags, Cobbo and Smith. We can put them into two categories. You know, obviously Cobbo and Smith are more money makers. Um, Stags was sort of looked at as an underpriced gun. Now he's coming in. He's only got a forty BE though, and he's only three hundred eighty-three thousand. So as much as I don't like Stags, I wouldn't say it's the worst to to hold him because you really can't do much with that money, um, and he's not really going to go much more down. I say that though without taking into consideration his next two games. He's playing the Roosters and the Panthers. So that makes it a lot harder to hold him. So I see why people are selling him. I guess if if anyone sort of didn't need to or, or thought about holding him, I don't think you're on an island there. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Whereas um, someone like Cobbo, um, I'm a little bit more down on because obviously he doesn't have the, well, not only doesn't have the experience, but he's got three games in a row now scoring 20s. You know, it's just one of those things where you might want to just give up on him because his base has been 20 and he scored 20, 22 and 22. Um, and it just doesn't look great for the next two weeks where I reckon he's going to score 20s again, and that's going to start seeing more and more price drops. So to me, Wilfred, like, Cobbo's more of a definite trade-out, um, whereas Stags, you know, I'd probably trade him out if I owned him, but I think depending on team, it's, you might also be able to hold him, and it's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, as someone who does own both Stags and Cobbo, and has been bitterly disappointed by what I'm seeing from them. <laughs> it's just, it, it's crazy, like, how my, how many errors both of them are making. It, it's just not getting any better, unfortunately. It's it's really frustrating because you can see the potential still. Like, they've been lazy, they've been not involved, as you'd hope, but when they touch the ball and actually can hang on to it, they just generate points. Like, they both can bust a heap of tackles, they both can find an offload, well, probably not Cobo, more so Stags. But, you know, they, they're finding space on that edge when they go down that side. Like, both of them have multiple line breaks. And it's just, like, Cobo <laughs> had, what, six errors last week? And, sure, one of them was a disallowed try from the bunker that, you know, let's just say, in my unbiased opinion as a Broncos fan, that should have been a try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. But, look, it it's just, yeah, it's just the amount of negatives coming out of their scores. And, you know, even if they are working harder or whatever, the amount of errors they make, it just takes away all the points anyway. So totally understand people giving up on it. He's what, still 282,000. So if you think yep. his, I mean, his break-even is like 40, 45 or something like that. So he's not going to go anywhere like really quickly price-wise. There's probably some more pressing trade-outs for it. But 
I mean, if if he's one of your trade outs to get to a Taylor Mayer or Cooler, then that's an it's, that's an easy decision for me. It's funny you mentioned those three names of Stags, Cobb, and Smith because they are the three people I'm deciding between to trade to Taylor May and if I boost uh, to to Cooler as well. So, you know, just asking for a friend. <laughs> Do you think uh, Billy Smith is getting into the team next week? Uh, look, I'll quote the great man Trent Robinson as saying that Billy Smith. We'll be back in the team round six. That's what he said. He said he has a minor injury. He'll be back in the team round six. Now, you can read into that several ways. You can read into it that he is going to be in the team round six and he's planning on playing him, or you can read into it that he's going to be healthy. Uh, it's hard to tell. Um, Suali has looked good in reserve grade. Um, that's one thing. Uh, I thought Nagama th- looked quite good last week. Um, I do think it's overstated how much better he looked, though, because I think, you know, he had... Old Kev had the ability to come in after the Roosters had started to click and actually had a pretty good scoring game. Um, he wasn't there for the tough times that Billy Smith was. And I do think that Billy Smith, um, yeah. his base has been quite underrated. You know, he had like 46 without anything his last game before he got hurt. So if I were to guess, I think Billy will come in for Nagama. Uh, I am a bit worried about Suwali in a couple of weeks. So, um, so for me with Billy Smith, I'm going to hold him at the moment. And I... It's a real, yeah. it's a real crappy, you know, on the fence answer. But it's different scenarios. If you need to get a May or a Cooler in and you don't own them, and you don't have anyone else useless like a Moan in your centre wing, sell Billy Smith. If you don't need to sell yep. Billy Smith, hold Billy Smith. He plays around thirteen. He's going to make money and he's going to come good when he does get games. It's just a little risk of when that's going to be. For you, Wilfred, um, I think that you. I don't know if you can afford to not sell Billy Smith because. I think you're going to need some options in your centre wing. And I think that you playing Stags and Cobbo against the Roosters this week may not be the best combo to be playing. I can't see Cobbo not scoring 20. Yep. And the other thing too is if you get a laid out or something, you know, who, who's the guy that's going to come in off your bench to replace Cobbo if he's ruled out or whoever you're going to play, you know, for you. Uh, I'm pretty lucky in my centre wing though. Like I've got eight confirmer, Targo, Stags, Penasini, oh, Smith fine. and Cobo. Yeah, so. no, I changed my mind yeah. and I'd, I'd trade Cobo because... Um, yep, I hold Smith and then I'll have Talon Man cooler. Instead yeah, of the yeah. Broncos. Oh, even Penasini this week I think is a good play. So, oh. Yeah, yeah. well, he's one of my reserves at the moment. Oh, you're, you're fine then. Just get rid of Cobo. Yeah, okay. Good shout. I was uh, on the fence there just... Actually, because it was either I traded out Billy Smith and Cobber and held Stags, but I think, yeah, you're right. The next two matchups are just not pretty, so I think well, I'll just move on. Even outside of that, like I think people are seeing a reprieve against the Bulldogs in round seven, but then they've got the Sharks and Souths and Manly, the three after that. So the reality is the next six games really aren't very good for the Broncos at all. Uh, and I think out of those three of the six are away too, so it's not even like they've got a good home runner games and all of them are Sydney based or New South Wales based teams. So with the other guys in this one, when we're looking at market watch, the ins really surprising. All these people jumping on Joseph Manu. Now <laughs> uh, I actually was in a bit of a chat with Wilfred on the weekend and Wilfred wasn't around. And I was watching that game talking about how Wilfred must be stoked that he owns Joseph Manu because he scored 118 <laughs> points against the Cowboys last week. And oh, he's now scored three tries in his last two games for a 75 and a 118. Started off the season at 47 and 29, but Wilfred sold him after the first two rounds. So I felt really bad for Wilfred. Um, but for 
Joey Manu. He's now one of the most trading players. 565,000. We've spoken about the Roosters draw at nauseam. I feel like a lot of people haven't listened, so I'm going to repeat it again. They have the Broncos this week. You want to play everybody this week. Then the Warriors, then the Dragons, then the Bulldogs, then the Titans. So when you're having a look at that, Manu probably looks pretty good. Um, I think you raise a really good point, Wilfred, with his base. So like the last two weeks when he scored really well, his base has still only been 18 and 22. And whereas last year he was getting a, a base-base attack of, you know, really strong mid-40s type of thing, he's not getting that now. So as a buy, um, there's so many other roosters that are like better than, than Manu. I think that this is a case, and I hate using the cliches of people jumping on last week's points, the fact that he's got a, a negative break even, you know, that looks quite good, but that can go away pretty quickly as well. Yeah, totally agree. And, and you know, as you pointed out, I did sell him after round two. And, you know, part of that was just because I was worried for his knee. Like it looked like he hurt himself at the end of round two. So I was just like, look, I don't need to deal with that. I moved to Bo Firma, who scored like 86 or whatever. So that round I was pretty okay with, you know, outscored him. Obviously copped the COVID out last week, which was not great, while Manu goes on 118. But... Yeah, at the end of the day, like I wanted Manu because I thought he was going to be playing on the wing where his base and base attack historically is like, I think last year he played two games and he scored 60 and 69 in base and base attack playing the wing, Crazy. which is just incredible. Yeah, so that was the appeal. And I was like, yeah, I want a piece of that, especially knowing, you know, if he was going to stay on the wing, playing on the right side and, you know, eventually hitting that sweet draw that you read out before, like that was the that was the plan, but you know he's gone back to center round two. Base immediately drops to the thirty odd mark, which is you know still fine, but it's not what I wanted, not what I paid for. It just made sense for me to sell him. I think you know I do tend to agree. Like you are chasing points and chasing ongoing attacking stats, which I think let's face it, there are so many players in that Roosters backline that can score the try. It doesn't have to be Manu. Some of it he's creating himself and. You know, I've I've raved on about Manu as being one of my actual favorite NRL players to watch. He's just so skillful, but it doesn't always translate super coach wise. You know, the freaky stuff he can do only gets him one tackle bust or whatever, or one offload, or you know, he, he catches a bomb out of the out of the air and scores a seventeen point try, which is nice. But you know, it doesn't quite reward the amount of skill that he displayed catching that and then putting it down. You know, as much as I love Manu as a player, I just don't think that for super coach he's the ideal option, really. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I think that there's um, some other options that are going to be better than him. And let's Tupo, Tupo. Uh, you know, I've, I've <laughs> relented like last week. I didn't really talk about Tupo, but I'll bring it up for you. <laughs> look, it's just it, it kind of it pains me at how underrated he gets all the time in, in every single facet of the world. <laughs> Like he is. Don't worry, you're preaching to the choir. Here. I, I know, I know. Too. Um, and I wish, I wish I was, and I wish you were someone that just didn't notice him that I could enlighten. But anyway, um, <laughs> the last three rounds, he scored a try, but that's what Tupo does, you know. And he's done it with a, a thirty base, raw base, but his base base attack's been great as well. He's on seventy two, seventy one, and seventy nine. Like he is safe as a bank. He's now five hundred sixty eight thousand. So your problem at the moment is that you should have gone on when he was 515,000. 
518,000 after round two. You know, you would have got a 71 and 79 in the last two weeks. He's now at the Broncos, which I think is a, a fair chance he hits a double. And this could be his highest score of the year where he's looking at a 90 to 110 type of range if they do carve him up. You know, not a given. They may, may not. Maybe the Broncos will turn up. But they're looking a bit weak this week. They've got all the off-field dramas and stuff with the media and everything else. So well, I tend to think that the Roosters are going to score points on them. Now, he's still a great buy at 568,000. He's still going to play round 13 and he's still got a fabulous next five round run. So at the moment, you know, Tubo's in like 4% of teams. Nobody owns him. So not only is the last three round average, you know, 75 odd, it's also a center wing average that nobody else is getting and he could go for a ton this week potentially. You know, he doesn't go for big tons, but he can he can hit the ton. Um, when you're looking at the base attack stuff, Wilfred, you know, like that's the other thing as well. He's just, he had two offloads last week along with two tackle breaks and that's standard for him. You know, he's always around that one and a half to two offload. He's always around that three or four tackle break. And he had that try assist last week, which is always going to be there too, where he jumps in the air and throws the ball backwards. You know, they tried that twice and one of them, it came off for a try assist. Yeah, that's going to happen again, especially against the Broncos this week. So I don't want to oversell him too much, but nobody's buying him. He's He's one of a few players this week that are an ultimate pod with a fantastic matchup. Yeah, look, you know, I don't like to talk about my super coach regrets, but going with Joey Manu over Tupo in round one is definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could go back and, and I'd be happy and I'd still have Tupo in my team. I wouldn't have had to burn a trade getting Manu out. I just got seduced by that, uh, you know, rumor of Manu playing wing on the right wing of, of, of all places. Uh, yeah, anyway. Look, like I said, you don't have to convert me. I'm well and truly in the church of Daniel Tupo, and he's. Uh, I wish I had him in my team. I'm currently looking at ways of getting him in, but I shouldn't. He's like a he's a guarantee for one try this week. Like he's got to be a guarantee, and two tries should be reasonable. Like, what, what do you reckon? Like, do you think that the Roosters are going to put on points this week against your boys? See, look, my head says absolutely. I'm expecting a 36 to four scoreline or something like that, but. I can't help but, and, and this is the hopeful Broncos fan in me, right? Because I can't help but think last year uh, that we had, you know, similar expectations leading up to that the same game in round, I think it was round 10 or round 11, but then somehow the Broncos won. <laughs> it was kind of funny. For me, anyway. uh, of course, you're going to bring that up. Oh, come on, I had to. I had to. <laughs> Look, let's let's talk about another guy that um, in maybe even that game last year uh, scored ninety odd points against the Broncos, and that's Satili Tupanua. You know, Satili is well, he's he's a bit rocks and diamonds for sure. Um, so certainly that game a couple of weeks ago really showed what he can do against some weak edges. Uh, so he scored eighty six points against Manly and just tore apart their edges, and he did that in forty seven minutes. Okay, the last two weeks he's gone fifty one and forty two. Um, I would have hoped that he could have got a try against the Cowboys, but he didn't. Um, but actually, that's that's pretty good because the last two weeks, his raw base is actually 42. So all of a sudden, you know, it's a far cry from his 36 points, 32 base in round one. If you actually have a look at Satili Tupanua at 500K, with the run that he's got, he's playing some pretty good edges that can get him some points. And if he keeps running like he has the last couple of weeks all of a sudden his base isn't as bad as it used to be, right? Like you used to be worried he was going to have that 35-odd base, a little bit Ola Kawatu-like, um, but his base the last couple of weeks has gone up into the 40s. If that maintains with the run that he's got, 
he's actually a pretty interesting one because I think that he was more popular sort of around round one. I think a few people have jumped off and now all of a sudden his ownership's, you know, pretty pod territory. Um, and against the Broncos, I'd be pretty confident that he could have a decent chance at a try this week. Uh, again, that Manly game, he scored the one try, but he ran rampant in 47 minutes, scored 86 points. You know, that was a 125-point game then that he could have done. And he's done that before against teams like the Broncos this week. So I really like him as a player this week. And even as a sneaky downgrade for this next month of footy, uh, that that could work out quite well for you over a period. Yeah, I tend to agree. I um you know, I, I've been a fan of Tupanua's for a while as well. I started with him last year and that was great until he got knocked out. And I think, if anything, that's probably the only thing that really worries me. Like his, I don't know if it's been something that they're working on, but his tackle technique is its something wrong with it, I think. That's why he keeps getting his head in the wrong spot. And, you know, I'm no expert in it, but it happens far too often. And I, I just, I worry for that reason, basically, that he's going to get knocked out again. Yeah, it could happen. Um, I, I think he just goes in really hard. That's the thing. And even how he runs and stuff, sometimes it's got a bit of a reckless abandon to it, um, which I, which is why I love it too. Uh, <laughs> the captaincy and the vice captaincy options. We've finally got one. We said the first couple of games I wouldn't go near. But uh, Tedesco, he, he scored a solid 88 last game. Oh, you know, I think people are still disappointed with him scoring 84, 64 and 88, you know, and that's a pretty good three-round average. Like, He's averaging 67 points for the season, but you, you take off that first round and he's got like a 78 odd average um, and he hasn't scored a ton yet. And you know, that's going to come and it's going to come shortly. So this week, yeah, look, <laughs> I think he's a pretty, I think he's a pretty low on special to, to score hundred plus this week, considering what he's been doing and the fact that he hasn't got one yet a month into the season. So I'm, I'm going to VC him this week, uh, but I wouldn't talk anyone out of putting a C straight on him either with the matchup. He's my VC as well. So beautiful. Well, Daniel Tubo, top spot bet of the week. We're going to talk about him again. Dollar seventy eight for any time try. Money in the bank for that one. I really like it. Raiders Storm. Um, now you know Market Watch. No one coming out of these teams, but Market Watch coming in. Obviously, the first guy that we're going to talk about, <laughs> Ryan Pappenhausen. Pretty ridiculous score. That, like we said, one hundred ninety three points. Um, but the thing that's also done is that it's meant that he's almost 800,000 already and he's got like a minus 57 break even. So if you get him in, you're also going to make a huge amount of money over the next few weeks. because He's got 107 and a 193 in his rolling average at the moment. Um, even when the 107 drops out, that 193 is going to be there. Uh, look, Wilfred, I'm going I'm to turn to you for advice here. Like, first of all, like I understand why he's getting traded in so much because he is um, a really easy out from turbo down to a Pappenhausen and then you've got some leftover money. So it makes complete sense. No one's going to Teddy. Everyone's going to Pappenhausen. Um, complete sense. I thought about doing it with Gutherson, uh, but I was a bit torn with him because Gutherson's got a good draw coming up. Uh, the Raiders, the Sharks the next couple of weeks, you know, they're not the easiest. They're decent matchups. Easier games coming later. But if you don't buy Pappenhausen now, you're not going to have him. <laughs> so yep. I was really torn. So I get why everyone's jumping off turbo to him. But what about for people like me that don't own Pappenhausen for this Raiders matchup? Can you see him replicating it or just turning up against the Raiders this week? I definitely can. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm a big Pappenhausen fanboy. I've been, you know, all about him. People know I held him all last season, even though he was knocked out for most of it. But I recall. Yeah, uh, look, the fact is I said at the start in the preseason he's going to be the highest averaging player this season 
and I stand by that. So in my mind, it was never a doubt. He was always going to be in my team. And I still think if you don't have him, you got to get him in. I would definitely find a way to get Gutho to him. Just you talk about the Eels having a nice draw. So, you know, they've obviously got the Titans this week. Tigers, Knights, Cowboys, Panthers. Like the Storm, they got the Raiders, Sharks, Warriors, Knights, Dragons. Like that's not too shabby either. <laughs> and Yeah, and I was then, just sort of looking at more of the immediate few weeks. But, yeah, you're right. I just think with – and the thing is, like, you're right, because if you don't get him uh, this week, at the end of the day, like, you're not going to have him pre-origin and it'll be post-origin that you're looking at him because he's going to be too expensive and then it's going to be too close to origin. I'm expecting him to be in the squad this year. But, you know, if he's not, then even better, you know, for, for Pappenhausen owners. But, yeah, to me, like, just the ceiling, like, he – and the floor for him as well, like his base and base attack numbers are insane. Plus, he seems like fully recovered from his injury and he's, he's goal-kicking well as he, I mean... His goal-kicking's <laughs> really been the icing and that's that's what's really burnt me. Um, I was hoping that he was going to have a few weeks not goal-kicking, but um, yeah, it didn't happen. He had one, one and a half weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's obviously striking them well and... Yeah, like I said, I, I think Gutho to him makes a lot of sense. And if you're going to do it, it's got to be this week, right? has to be this week. Um, might have to use a trade boost if I'm going to do that one. Um, but probably going to be worth it. Get Gutho, uh, get um, Pappenhausen and Cody Walker both in this week. Mm. Jeez, that's a nice set of trades. <laughs> it is. I got main last week, so that helps it out. Um, look, Grant is the other guy that's a big trade in but we've talked about him a lot on this podcast I'm not going to again I've already said how good he is and this week again I think that he can fall over 80 plus points in his sleep so definitely a good one King though King's an interesting one I I had to let him go because I didn't get on him early enough he had the rises and I sort of said oh well he's he is in the top 10 most trained in at the moment and I don't quite understand it like he does have a single he does have a negative BE um, but we saw on the weekend with the positional change. I mean, that was the thing that scared me off getting him last week sort of thing. Uh, he only played 50 minutes. He's been averaging 65. 50 minutes is fine for owners, um, but when you're buying him, you know, that extra 15 minutes makes a big difference. And, and it did. You know, he had a 45, 57, 49 base the first three weeks, basically a 50s base, and that went down to a 41 base in his role on the weekend against the Bulldogs. He scored 56, but he scored a try. Yep. You know, that's that's what got him there. So, you know, if he didn't do that, I sort of feel a bit vindicated. It would have been basically like a 40-odd score. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're happy that you kind of let him pass by. As it is, you know, he scored 56, but he's got a negative B of about minus 20. He's just under 400K, though. So, well, for this is a tough one. Like, to me, I'm almost going to liken it to Cotter this week. Like, if you've got on Josh King, great. You, you know, he's done great. He's been worth it. Keep holding him. But if you didn't get on him, I don't think I'd be buying him this week because I just think that you're going to make more money, you know, waiting. Um, and certainly he could be in for a 35, 40-point score this week and you're not going to make that much out of it. His break-even is going to be not in the negative next week. And then, you know, it's not really that great as far as a trade in and trade out. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I started with King, so I definitely wouldn't trade him in this week. It just makes no sense. As he's like, I'm looking to get rid of him soon, basically. <laughs> yeah, the next two weeks, he, you know, King owners should be looking at trading him out, making plans for that. So, yeah, I think that you, I think that people are, are clutching to try and get him in, trying to get something that they missed. Be like me, just cry in your pillow overnight and say, "I missed out on Josh King." It's it's a lot better. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the negative break even. It's it's seductive. I, I know, but 
just ignore it. It's going to yeah, be gone soon. Yeah, people have to remember when there's a negative break-even to have a look at what that's coming from. And if if the next quarter dropout is why that's a negative break-even, you got to really think about it. And the 85 in round three is going to drop out after this week. And that, that's going to be an issue for him. Uh, look, other BEs to talk about when we're doing BE talk with this one. Schneider is a, a, a minus 30-odd break-even. Um, and... Yeah, minus 33 to be exact. Uh, and then along with that as well, Coates, uh, finally Xavier is is doing well somewhere, minus 15. Uh, both of these guys have got minus break-evens. I've actually seen people looking at trading out Schneider um, and I understand because they want upgrade in the halves and I've sort of said, well, I kind of think that those points are too valuable because I think that there's too many points in him. He's only 265,000. Real quick one on Schneider, Wilfred. You know, to me, even if you can upgrade the points, I'd be looking at playing the longer game or I'd be, you know, waiting um, or looking at other options to trade out instead. But where are you, like, on the general, you know, obviously he's got a bad matchup this week against the Storm. You're not going to play him. But where are you on guys like Schneider this week where they've got a negative break even, but they're in an important position where you know you can get points? Do you hold on to them or or do you get out Schneider this week and say, I'm just going to lose 100 to 150k and just grab the points now. Uh, I'm quite torn on Schneider because he's been really good in terms of his scoring, like 45, 79, 38, when 38 with no attacking stats at all and only one goal kick. That's a huge flaw for a rookie. And I thought, you know, he's passing the eye test. Like he's not doing anything fantastic, but he's been solid. And he's not like, you know, he's missed a couple of tackles, but, you know, when you make 33, you miss two. That's not too bad. You know what I mean? Like, for a half to make 33 tackles is huge. So, you know, if, if the Raiders start scoring some points, and that's a big if, but if they do, I think he could be a 45 average just in, in itself like that, and you could easily nudge 50-55. And I'm not going to say no to that kind of cash. Like, I get his negative break even most likely will drop out after this week because, you know, you'd expect him to maybe score 40 again against the Storm. But... Then you look at the fact that, you know, he's got the Cowboys, then the Panthers, so that's not great, but then Warriors and Bulldogs. So there's a genuine chance I'm going to try hang on to Schneider as long as I can. And, you know, he plays around 13 and then has the Broncos to the game after that. So obviously this depends on what's happening with Jamal Fogarty, but there's a chance that he just sticks around for as long as I can. And then after that, I'll look to upgrade him. The thing for me, because I've got Nico and Schneider, like if I'm going to get another half, it's going to be finding the cash for Cleary. And the reality is, is Cleary, I'm, you know, it's a week-to-week watch for me. Like I'm, I'm not sold, obviously, off round one. So it's definitely, uh, it's, a, it's, it's something you're just going to have to monitor, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm, I de- tend to always err on the side of if a guy's got that much potential that Schneider's shown to make money. That I agree with Wolf, and I think that he's going to be a longer term hold because for every tough game he's got, he's then got an easier game, which will get his his money making back up. Um, so I just I don't think you can afford to lose the guys that have potential to make some of the highest amounts of cash from the start. Um, so I just I'd play the long game with that. With Coates, he's got a negative fifteen break even, and he's interesting. There's a coach that scores a try around one and two, where he scores forty five and sixty points, and there's the coach last week that scored eighty seven points, scoring a try. A lot of it comes down to which one you're going to get. At, at 415 odd thousand, a minus 15 break even. He's an interesting one where you can go from stags straight to coats and kind of ride the ex Bronco and get rid of the current Bronco that's not performing. <laughs> um, that's 
if you don't have the money to go to the the 500k plus type of guys, I kind of get it for a bit of a grab some cash, hope you keep scoring tries. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the Raiders this week, and it's a good time to probably talk about it, I don't know what to ever expect from them. And they seem to maybe sometimes play better against the better sides and worse against the worse sides. Look, I, don't, I won't say he's a bad trade-in. And the fact he's owned by 41% already kind of speaks to that. I think the biggest thing for me is that he's he's... I'm not sure which is his best wing. Like he seems to me as a natural right winger, but he's actually, you know, in round one, he was playing on the left and he's been on the right wing because of, well, George Jennings got injured and then, you know, Eremia was in and now they've got Meany in who seemed to play left wing more. So I, I just don't know which side he's on. <laughs> and I tend to think I like him more on the left because they get more involvement that side. So, yeah, it's a tough one because obviously the Storm, you know, Munster's on the left, Pappenhausen likes sweeping both sides, but I feel like he's more natural going to the left. So it's, yeah, if he's left wing, I think there's a chance he could become a season hold because he score, he's going to score that many tries. And maybe it's just uh, you keep him as your fifth, sixth center wing and play him on matchups. But the, the base is still scary, scarily low, you know. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. Like if the upside is more like 2021 again, could go back to that, then I think Coates could be, you know, not to pigeonhole him, but he could be a little bit like Alex, Alex Johnston last year, you know, just bulk tries and hardly any base, but still 600, 650 K plus because he's getting that many try scoring opportunities. Uh, if it's more like 2020, then I think Coates might go as well. He might still average 60, but it's going to be a, a frustrating ride basically to get there. I'm not sure what to make of him going forward. I think that if it was me, um, I'd be looking at it and going, look, I'm going to bite the bullet this week because there's some pretty good matchups for cheapies and mid-range guys. I'm going to play them and I'm going to save up money and buy, you know, a Tupo or, or someone that's more reliable next week. Four captaincies, Pappenhausen. Is he the best captain this round against this Raiders team? They can give up a lot of points. that are a bit unpredictable. Coming off 193 points and two tons in a row. Yeah, it's funny, right? Because... You know, you kind of think you should just analyze each game individually, but at the back of your mind, you're like, surely he's not going to go massive again off 193, off 107 the week before or whatever. It's just funny because in my mind, that's why I'm like, Mm. I haven't actually considered him for vice captaincy or captaincy this round. So I think because obviously I I want a vice captain Teddy. So that's part of my thinking there. So I look, I don't think you'd go wrong. Like like I said, the the floor's fantastic for Pappenhausen, and, and you know at 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 worst he's probably a sixty seventy average, uh, sorry sixty seventy score, and you know we know what his ceiling can be. So, I yeah, you're never going to talk me out of captaining him as an up op- as an option each week. So, I, I won't say he's going to be the best, but he's definitely you know top five options. What I will say um, is the pod play would be to not captain him because. The, everybody is going to be on him after last week. You know, the, everyone that captained him last week for the 193 is going to be like, I want that again. And everybody who didn't is going to be like, I don't want to miss out on that. So I, I tend to think that, you know, for someone who's going to be maybe even 50% owned by the end of this week, uh, I tend to think that 40% of coaches, 30% of coaches may end up with the captaincy on him. Uh, and that's massive. So if you go a Captain Teddy, um, or even some of the other ones that we'll talk about in, in the late games, uh, and you beat Pappenhausen, that's going to give you a big leg up on at least probably a third of super coaches. So 
he could go well. I, I'm, I'm with Wilfred. There's no way he's scoring 193 again. They're not going to go to say, you know, even to score like 120 plus type of score that'll hurt you a bit. Um, I don't, I think that's not odds on favourite because he's gotten the two tons in a row last week was a massive one. And the Raiders, you know, <laughs> don't know what to expect. They can be okay. So I think it's a good play, like Wilfred said. Uh, but I'm look, if I own Pat this week, I'm not going to captain him. I think the pod play is to look at some of the other options as well. Rabbit's Dragons is the next one. Amon and Sloan, two guys that are heavily traded out in this one. Completely makes sense for both. Um, Amon, you basically have to get out. Like I've I've completely changed my tune and I'll, I'll be up front and put my hand up on that. But there's a reason, you know, two weeks ago, Wilfred, I was like, be patient with Amon because the points will come. It was a hard draw. He, he can't really drop that much anyway. But now he's been benched and he's, you know, playing five or 10 minutes a game off the bench this week again, probably. And he's got a high break even. So, you know, he has to be cold. And to me, he's just about a must sell this week because he's just going to leak a hundred grand if they keep playing him in that role. And, and Sloan's an easy one as well. Yep, totally agree. And, you know, I one of my preseason calls was I dodged the moan. I didn't start with him and I think I'm pretty happy with that, the way it's played out. <laughs> You did really well with that because I thought he looked like he had a lot of talent last year. So I, I thought that he was going to show a bit more than what he has. Um, but the Dragons in general, I don't really want a piece of in any way at the moment and potentially for the rest of the season, the way it's looking. Um, but this Rabbits-Dragons game, there is some Rabbits that are interesting. So break-even-wise, you know, we're not just looking at the negative break-evens. Cam Murray at the moment uh, is having a fantastic season all of a sudden and he's only got a break-even at 22 so, you know, it's not like quite like a Pappenhausen, but it is pretty hard to get in those gun forwards at the moment. And for someone like Cam Murray, he's averaging 84 points a game. Uh, and he's also got 129 point score. So, you know, he can score well. And he's got this fantastic rabbit's draw that starts this week against the Dragons, who got absolutely flogged the last couple of weeks. If you want to pay 715000 for Cam Murray, yeah, it's not too much money because he's probably not going to be that cheap for the next month of footy. And he's probably going to hit some attack. So that's probably one of those ones, Wilfred, where you need to consider if, if you're going to need a second row for the next couple of weeks. Murray's, to me, one of the top ones. He's got a really good Dragons draw this week and then the rest of the next month after that. So break him into 22. This is probably a week where you need to target someone like him as well if you're going to spend up, if you're going to get off a feeder. Yeah. One of the things I uh, we talked about in Supercoast Champions this week is the fact that there's really no, aside from Murray, like none of the other second row forward options are actually doing that well. You know, all of the preseason chat was about Fafita, Angus, a little bit about Murray, but then a lot of people were worried about his shoulder because he was coming off for major surgery as well. He's obviously shown that it doesn't affect him. He's superhuman. But, you know, he's playing, he's played 72, 77 and 77 minutes. And this is against, you know, Storm, Roosters and Panthers, some serious, you know, premiership heavyweights there. And I kind of think if you're getting Murray, you're counting on him either keeping up those minutes and Dimitri has already said no, he's not going to play him as big, as that many minutes against the, you know, he, he you know, said, I'll play him big minutes in big games and <laughs> left the, that. Maybe the, the Dragons are a big game because they want revenge for those charity shield loss in the preseason. <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like I don't expect Murray's minutes to be 70 plus, basically. He he might play the odd 60-minute game. And, you know, that's going to take a dent out of his attack, uh, his base and base attack. But as you pointed out, you know, there's definite potential for attacking stats here. And, you know, if you want to pay 714000 I'm just thinking like you got to be prepared to cop the odd 50, 55 score and hope for, you know, the, the, the game where he gets one or two tries or at least the line 
line break assist, try assist along the way there. So that's my hesitation with Murray if you're going to you know, pay up for him, basically. Yeah, and that's fair. And that's a really good quote from um, the coach there as well, um, which should be concerning because you want him to be playing 70-plus minutes. Um, it's interesting, though, because if he does, like, drops, like, 155 score, but, you know, three... 90 scores and it's going to average out to being pretty much what you want from him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and that's, and that's a really good chance of happening considering the draw. So I do think that he's a premier second row forward at the moment, as far as form goes for super coach, a couple of pods, um, people are talking about cook. I guess there's two things with cook. There's owners, the potential owners who can't afford to get to Grant, and they're asking, you know, can I get cook instead? And there's also people that have even said, is it worth having two gun hookers? Like, should I get Cook in for Randall? Ride Cook straw. I've been in two minds about it, Wilfred. I've kind of said, for me, like, he's got a really good matchup this week against the Dragons. And the last two weeks, he's gone 69 and 75 against the Roosters and Panthers. Two really hard matchups, you know. And now all of a sudden, he's averaging 62 for the year. But, you know, the last three games have been against the Storm, the Roosters and the Panthers. And he's acquitted himself quite well. So you expect that average to go up quite a bit when he's going to play the Dragons this week, then the Bulldogs and the Tigers. So for me, you know, Cook at 575,000, 30s BE, 51 raw base this year so far. He's a really good buy normally. It's just that I prefer Grant. And I kind of think that you don't want to spend at this point of the season on a second hooker because, you, because you've got all these holes everywhere else in your team and it's going to hamstring you from making these other changes to your team, whether it be strengthening center wing, getting gun halves in and so forth. So I think he's gone great. Um, I wouldn't get him as a second hooker. If you absolutely can't afford Grant, he's clearly the next best. And I could see him going 75 plus again this week. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of what you've said there. Um, he, Cook has impressed me so far. I do think Grant's still a level above because as good as Cook is gone, like Grant's, he's, he's um, I mean, again, on, on the Champions podcast, we talked about how Grant's currently averaging 22.5 points more than next best hooking option. Mm albeit from two games only, but, you know, it just seems like he's going to keep hitting that mark pretty easily. Like it's, he's not doing too much and he's still smashing it for, uh, you know, from, from his game so far. But I do agree. I think Cook's going to get some attacking stats in the upcoming run. I like him probably a bit more than Murray as far as, you know, bang for buck as well. But you're absolutely spot on. It's just, you know, is it worth upgrading Randall or someone like that to Cook? I just don't think so. Not at this stage. Yeah. I agree. The pod play that I do like is 2% owned, and that is Campbell, Campbell Graham. <laughs> Unbelievable. Another, it's 2 by 2.0. We're talking about him every year. No one buys him. <laughs> I've got all these people listening to the podcast, so they just, they just must like the voice or something because they don't listen to Campbell Graham or Tupo. But anyway, that's another story. Campbell Graham, guys, 517,000. He's averaging 60 on the nose, but how he's done that, 60, 78, 30, and 72. And when he scored a try, it's been a 75 average for two out of four of those games. Raw base of 38 puts him in the top couple elite center wings as far as raw base goes. You know, his, his raw base is almost going to get you to 40 points. And he's now, again, got the Dragons this week, Bulldogs, Tigers, next three. Like, the next three weeks, he could average 85 points. Um, and I could see, and I don't think he'll be below 60 in the next three weeks in any of those games. And I'd even say 75 plus in all three. You know, like, it's it's a fantastic buy for Campbell Graham right now. Um, and I, I'm only talking about the South's immediate draw, right? After they go Dragons, Bulldogs, Tigers, they have a manly game that's going to have no turbo in it, and it's at home for Souths. 
then they're going to have Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, and Tigers again before the bye. Like, the Roosters draw is great. The South draw is equally as good. It is amazing. And Campbell Graham um, is going to give you good scores even when he doesn't score tries. So, to me, you know, I've got Tupo as my number one guy. I've been trying to get Campbell Graham in this week as like a second high high price center wing because this draw is great. And if we see more attack, he's going to be good and he's going to be good from this week against the Dragons. If we don't see more attack, he's still going to be good because his base is so fantastic. Yep, 100% agree. He's been on the short list for me. I just haven't been really in a position to upgrade at the center wing. And this is where, again, I regret if I had two points dead, I wouldn't have gotten firmer. I would have probably had the opportunity to get Campbell Graham or something like that previously. But here we are. So that's <laughs> all right. 2% owned, for 2%. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, look, I, I've, again, I've spoken about him plenty in the preseason and also in the first couple of rounds. Um, yeah, big, big fan. I think he's going to go really well over the next five games or so. Tupo and Campbell Graham, really good center wing buys for this next, um, well, really up until the buy. Uh, they're, they're my top two picks. And they're guys that are going to be like 2 and 3 4% owned that could give you 70-plus points for most weeks. Uh, when we're talking about sit and play, Ilias, really controversial one. Everyone's sitting him at the moment. Oh, really? Scored 50. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm playing him. I think week. a lot of people are. <laughs> I don't think I've seen many playing him at all. And... Except for the desperation ones where they've got no one left. Um, and he's he's playing the Dragons this week. I would say, you know, at least 50% of his owners are going to sit him. Um, he's in my reserves. I'm going to play him. He scored 55 last week. I thought he's looked a lot better. So he's a play for me. Yep. He's in my team as well. He's kind of my hedge for not looking at Cody Walker this week. <laughs> Oof. That brings us on to our V and C options. Cody Walker. He is my buy of the round as far as guns go. Not including guys that you have to get in like a May for cash or whatever, but genuine guns. Cody Walker is 3% owned. He's averaging 39 points so far. So that's obviously not going to continue. And he's at 580,000 and his BE is almost bottoming out. It's in the 60s. Um, So he's going to hit that anyway. And this week, uh, I'm expecting a... 80-plus Cody Walker score, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if out of nowhere he goes a bang 120 um, and something like that. So that's why I'm looking at him as a sort of a VC option if you've got a C later in the week because at 3% ownership, you're going to get no one virtually on the VC or the C on him, um, and he, he does have that potential to go really big, and he does have the good matchup. But I just think the price point, Wilfred, like, you know, my plans worked out perfectly with Whiten. I probably flicked it mostly, but Whiten's not a play this week against the Storm. Um, Cody's a big play. It's within 75k of each other or less. You know, I'm just swapping them and away we go. Uh, and Cody Walker can't talk about the buy enough this week. I reckon it's great. And you can throw the VC straight on him if you wanted to do a really high um, reward one with, with no ownership. I do want to point out that Ilias outscored Cody last week and Cody's the one who scored the mind break try. <laughs> and, he did. And, and to be to be fair, like aside from the lazy Tom Burgess, uh, Ilias could have been an 85 because he had the line break try and a couple of tackle busts that, that was disallowed for obstruction. So honestly, I this is this is why I'm a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I want to play Ilias and, you know, we look at what happened to the, to the Dragons last week. It was the right side that Moses tore up and obviously Dylan Brown still smashed the left side as well. So they could both go well, but I just think if you've really got Ilias there, that is a potential. If you don't want to jump on Cody this week, it can be an option to wait one more week. 
that that's in my mind anyway. Oh, you definitely could, yeah. And I think the Bulldogs is a better matchup the following week, um, potentially. But yeah, yeah you, you could wait. I mean, it's much of a muchness, really. He's not going to go up in price. Um, so it probably depends on who you're going to be trading for him. I mean, if you're trading someone that's going to make money this week and go early, like if it's a Snyder through Jules or whatever, maybe you are better off just taking the extra money for a week and then trading. Um, if it's like me, where you've got like a Whiten or someone there that's not got a good matchup this week, then I think you're better off trading right now. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. If you had Whiten, um, him to Cody makes a lot of sense. That's for sure. Yep. Um, I'm really confident this week. And look, top spot bit of the week. Dollar thirty for the win for the rabbits. Minus nine and a half though. Dollar eighty five. That's my bet for it. Minus nine and a half. I think they'll do the dragons and put some points on them. I reckon they got their confidence back. Titans and Eels. Oh no. So we have to talk about Brown and Moses. Obviously, uh, they are the most traded in players in this matchup. Titans Eels, uh, and they had massive weeks. So I will point out Wilfred just quietly that when we're looking at round four points. That Mitchell Moses did beat Dylan Brown, 144 versus 131. Uh, but look, both of them just went up a huge amount of money. 53,000 for Mitchell Moses this week, 102,000 for Dylan Brown. Um, Mitchell Moses, 580k, Dylan Brown, 610. Both of them averaging in the 80s, 82 points a game for Moses, 85 a game for Dylan Brown. Uh, obviously, the Eels. Uh, clicking, they're playing pretty good footy and these guys are on the back of that. I can fully see why both are being traded in. Um, I will give props to Brown um, and we'll talk about him first. You know, obviously that's an insane average that he's got, but I do want to point out why I was a little bit hesitant on liking Brown this year because I've we've seen this story a little bit before on his potential and he's never quite come through, certainly not in back-to-back games or anything like that. Um, look, in 2021, he played 21 games, right? And he's obviously played four this year. He had two try assists in 21 games last year, five try assists already in his four games. Uh, he had six offloads in his 21 games last year, six offloads already in four games, six line breaks last year, three line breaks already in four games. So he's projected to smash all these numbers last year out of the water at the moment. I get why people are jumping on because at the moment, you know, with the break-even that he has anyway, minus 37 break-even, you're going to make good money. They've got a good draw. You're probably going to get good points for a month or whatever. I'm going to say, though, you know, I do expect a drop-off. I don't expect him to be this good, and I still question whether he's still going to have this attack. Yeah, look, I mean, I I kind of was saying this in the preseason. The big change for me is that he's moved back to the left side. Like that was a massive reason I was very keen to start with him as opposed to like, if he was still on the right-hand side, I'd be like, nah, I didn't see anything better uh, that that was expecting anything to change. Cause he just didn't look natural all last year. Like at no point, maybe defensively it helped them, but attack wise, it, it just didn't work for me. And the moment I saw him in the trials playing left side, he just looked more natural. He passes the ball better that way. Not that he passes a lot anyway, but that's why we love him for super coach because he, <laughs> he's a bull hog. But, you know, like even if he's not like, I mean, base and base attack, you know, you, I'm big on that. 56, 58, 66, the last three rounds. And sure, it's probably not sustainable, but if he's still averaging 50 to 55 and base and base attack every week, like that's that's a really safe, solid option that you could roll out. That's monster-like, you know, and a lot of people just say, you know, monster's your season, season-long keeper. 
he probably doesn't keep up the scoring and, and the attacking stats, but I'm backing him to definitely have much more than last year and, you know, probably more than 2020 as well. Cause he's still, in, you know, we like to see some improvement each year and I get, I, look, I totally get why you were hesitant in, in thinking that he was going to take another step forward, but you know, I, I've liked what I've seen so far. It, it definitely seems like this is a potential breakout year for him. Basically. Yeah, and like I just think that even another step forward was like, well, if you got two try assists last year, like what's your step forward five? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, it, exactly. it really makes no difference to me um, as a super coach player. But um, I think the the thing is, he's always had really good base based attack, and I've always given him credit for that. The problem is that that's all he's had, right? So it's like it's cool yeah. if you're going to give me like a forties floor when you don't do anything else, but when you're not ever giving me anything else, then it's still going to be a 40s or 50s score. And that's what ended up happening last year. Like you barely hit 60s. So it, it doesn't really matter. You know, you need that upside for him to be able to get attack, which he wasn't getting. He, he's smashing it through the roof now. So I'm going to hedge my bets here. I'm going to, it's a great matchup for him against the Titans this week. Really good week to buy him. I think that he'll go well again this week. But I, I think that he can fall off at any point. Um, and I don't think that he's going to be anywhere near this good. So I still don't think that he's going to be... A, a season-long keeper, and people are talking about him like that. I don't think he's going to be close to that. Um, but he is going to be worth buying this week just because of his break-even and the current draw that he's got. Someone like Moses, I've actually been a bigger fan of Moses than um, than Brown just because Moses is always cheaper and he is, again, well, about 30K. But he also goal kicks, right? So even when he doesn't have his hand in as much attack, and it's normally more attack than, than what Brown has, he's got that goal-kicking. So when the, the Eels put on a lot of points, he's got that goal-kicking there. But... I'm going to say at this point, though, because of positions, you know, with Moses, he's in the position that Hines and Cleary's in, so it's a bit harder for him. So I guess, Wilfred, in saying all of that, um, that's the issue, isn't it, with someone like Moses? Um, You want a Hines or a Cleary coming up, and you can't really trade him in for just a couple of weeks or something. See, this is where I'm thinking with Moses, right, because obviously he's got a negative break even this week, but it's it's not quite as good as Dylan Brown's, but that's because Dillbags had 100 last week as well. Now, Moses obviously has the biggest score, and the week before he only scored 53, I think. So if Moses has another big week or decent week, he could actually make a lot more cash than Dylan Brown does in the next two weeks. And then maybe he becomes a potential you know, almost straight swap for Cleary. That's the way I would look at it, basically, if you're chasing some money. That's a really good point, actually, because I didn't consider the, the score the week before, which is why it's important to look at those numbers, so... If he goes well this week, and I think he will, like I think he's looking at a 75-plus at a minimum against the Titans this week, um, he could give you an extra 120K-plus the points for you know two or three weeks, uh, and that's an easy get to Cleary, who's going to be dropping, um, but also still going to give you good points over that period too. So, uh, yeah, I'm coming around a little bit on the Moses um, buyers then. Uh, I, I traded him out, so I'm uh, <laughs> filthy. That might be why. So I guess just if I had to quickly crunch numbers, let's say he scores another 80 odd or whatever, uh, he'll go up to about 655,000 with a negative 20 break even. And then, you know, he might peak at about 735, 740 or whatever. So, you know, if there's another one, one or two biggest scores in the next two weeks, then that'll keep going up and he could become, I mean, the Tigers are on the horizon, right? Yeah. You kind of think that. That's an opportunity there for draw. It's It's why it's hard to trade Gutherson now, and it was why it was hard to, to trade yeah, Moses. I, but I did that two weeks ago to get Hines in. Um, I'm hoping it's going to repay me this week on this next game. 
talking outside of Brown and Moses, both of those guys are going to make money and give you good points at the moment. So I, I think it works. I, what I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be. Look, it's hard to say because it, the, the big trades that people could be making on those are going to be guys like a Schneider and Elias out. You know, would you go either of those guys out to go to a Brown or Moses? I guess you could argue maybe you'll make the same amount of money out of them, but you'll be able to play them, right? Yeah, that's that's totally the the reasoning for it. So if you are, you're definitely. I think if I could put it this way, if you are chasing like a, a Schneider to Moses or whatever, I see that as you're committing to getting Nathan Cleary in two or three weeks' time, basically. Because once Moses peaks, you're gonna have to jump. So you know that's a lot of trades because you're gonna be burning to get Schneider to Moses, and then you're gonna be burning for Moses to go out to Cleary as well. Well, it's only so one more trade, of, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, but if you do that too many times, yeah, of um, <laughs> <laughs> like one more, it's only one more trade ten times, and twenty five percent of my trades are like I burnt basically. Yeah, it's it's got to be pretty targeted, I guess, Wilfred. So if you're not going to do that often, and it's just going to be like I'm just going to burn these trades just for a couple of weeks of point. Yeah, I think it does make some sense, and you can kind of argue that you're going to get the same um, money out of Moses versus the Schneider. You just hope that Schneider doesn't have a big game in the next sort of month of footy. Yeah, like I said, it's certainly a very situational thing. Um, I, you know, I obviously have a higher, I guess, I see more money on the horizon for Schneider. <laughs> so, and also kind of not, not you know, like I said, I'm kind of reevaluating the Cleary trade on a week-to-week basis. Definitely need to see a lot more from him before I want to consider him. And, you know, the way Cleary started off, he's looking at a pretty decent price drop straight up. And, you know, unless he goes massive the next two weeks and, I'll, I'll, I guess, you know, uh, I'll wait and see for that happen to happen before I make any real changes or uh, intentional trade plans to get Cleary in, basically. Yep. Looking at BEs, Fermor's minus 26. Now, obviously, we had the COVID hiccup with Fermor, um, but he's the biggest break even in this one negatively. Uh, look, you've got him in. It's not the best matchup with the Eels, although, you know, their middle and edges at times can be susceptible to points. The Titans put on um, close to 30 points against them, I think it was, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that Fermo is still a good trade-in as much as he was a few weeks back? I think that the, the landscape's changed a little bit with uh, the, the players available. So, you know, when you've got the likes of Taylor Mann, Cooler, you know, if you don't have either of them, you're going to get them instead. I do think, um, like, I guess... We haven't talked about Talakai yet, but he's probably a name that you could look at in the second row. So, you know, in centre wing and also in second row, you have probably better options for both. Uh, but look, for, for me, when I traded him and I saw him as a bit of a, you know, I did get him at sub 400K. He's already 440,000 now because he's had one price rise yep. already. And I, I saw him as a, well, he's probably unders. He's going to go up in cash. I'll ride him for a couple of weeks there. But then I was thinking of, well, he'll play around 13. And, you know, if he's going to keep up and keep playing 80 and his base and base attack's not too bad, there's a potential he sits there for me as my sixth center wing or whatever for the season. And having that depth, I just don't think is a bad thing this year, basically. So, you know, I see it in that way. I don't think he's a pure crash, cash grab anymore. Like I said, he's already gone up 60K from his starting price and it's probably a little bit too late now to, to, to go for that. Yeah, the 440K. Um, is a little bit much. May and Cooler should be your targets ahead of him, and that probably just rules it out. The opposite end of the uh, second row edges, David Fafita, 89, break even. So, look, 
53-72-54-60, no try yet. So you'd think it's coming, but he's just not getting the ball and he's not looking good either. And he's now still basically 675K. So you can still get a lot of money out of trading him out. He's on 89 BE, right? So if he puts up another 50s, he's going to drop another chunk of cash. Maybe he drops another 30K this week. All of a sudden, you're going to be putting yourself in a corner where these little drops were okay, but then altogether, you know, a few weeks of drops, you're going to lose like 120,000 and it's going to be like, well, I can't really sell him now. Um, is it the week now with an 89 BE still that you just cut Baden for feeder or do you press ahead, considering he's got the Eels and the Manly Seagulls the next two weeks? Although, you know, there's arguments that both might give up points to him. It's a really tough call, isn't it? Like, at the end of the day, I, I, I lean towards the numbers tell me that he's going to score sooner rather than later. And I want to be like, you know, that's the reason I was on the Fifita train in the first place. I'm waiting for those tries still. Uh, totally get if you wanted to trade him out, though. And, you know, if you if if you want Murray for sure, like he's 40K to go from Fifita to Murray this week. And it's probably your last chance to do it for the next, you know, three, four weeks before it comes a, a way too big of a price difference to really want to make that trade. So I get it. I'm personally holding because I've got big, bigger issues to deal with in my team, mm. but I certainly wouldn't begrudge anyone trading him out. But I just, I, I, you know, he hasn't looked fantastic. The Titans aren't using him properly, but how long does that continue for is my question. Like sooner Probably or as long as the Titans aren't very good at football, <laughs> which could be for the season. But you so, feel like there's times where he, he just tapped it and went himself. And he did that three, four times and tapped it and scored a try himself. So I just, yeah, I, again, if he scores this week, I would not be shocked as well. If he doesn't score again, that also wouldn't surprise me. I just, I'm, I'm committed. I'm stuck with him. <laughs> I'm not trading. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. Like if someone wants to stick with Fafita, I think it's perfectly fine. If um, wants to trade him out, perfectly fine too, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I, I would trade him. I would go to Murray because I just, I look at the next five weeks of that South straw and then I look at the Titans playing para manly, Cowboys, Penrith, and the Roosters, and go, well, the next five weeks, Souths are going to carve, and the Titans are going to struggle. Uh, and I think Souths are starting to play good football, and the Titans aren't, and I don't see that changing. Uh, you know, I thought after the first week or two that it was going to change for the Titans, and then the more I watched them, the more I thought that it's not changing. The Titans are just not a good football team this year, and everything that I thought about Holbrook as a coach, you know, I think of more now, um, and I just question the whole the whole team. And also for Feeder's commitment, to be perfectly honest, watching some of the games. So I that's my personal preference on him. He still could end up falling over for a heap of super coach points. So that's why I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. There's not a black and white answer on this one. Likewise, you know, we spoke about going to a Murray. The other, you know, low key from a Fafita trade out is to go to an IPAP. Isaiah Papali'i has gone 78, 94 points the last two weeks. Uh, and I, I really liked him as a trade-in last week, but at 700000 is expensive. He's not that expensive if you own David Fafita. He's basing 55. Uh, he's not scored a try yet, but he had a, a try assist, I think line break assist, a few offloads like he does last week. And he's he's got a good draw. And the Titans this week, I expect him again to go 75-plus minimum. The Tigers the following week, I reckon it's ton material. And it's also the team that he's signed for to play next week. So if you don't love Murray... You know, or say for me, Murray wasn't available. I'd go for feet of IPAP, and especially for this week versus Titans. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, IPAP's done better than I expected to start the season. I thought he was overpriced and he couldn't match that, but 
he's proved me wrong. He's gone up in price since round one, which is crazy, right? Because the, the he started the season with so many attacking stats last year, and yet he's managed to meet his season average without hardly any. I mean, the Eels have obviously mm. been putting on points, and he got an early shower last week, only played 66 minutes, but the amount of work he got through in that time uh, was just huge. So, you know, was this a byproduct of 2021? There was more attacking stats, so his base was actually lower. And then because this, the way that things have gone this year, he's actually been getting through more work. And maybe that's offset the lack of attacking stats. So, I mean, either way, he's scoring the points, and I guess that's what you can say. So I can't talk anyone out of training him in. Uh, the only thing is, is, obviously, Sean Lane's back now this week. It's just a really crowded back row between Lane and uh, Nathan Brown and obviously Matto on the bench as well. So I understand that. And, and I will say that the one thing that does worry me is Madison being there because he did, you know, IPAP played 66 minutes last week. So it's not like he was playing the 80 minutes that he was before because I was surprised that he was playing 80 plus minutes. Um, and then all of a sudden he's gone to 66 last week, Madison back. I don't think that's a coincidence. So if he goes down to 60 minutes a game, I'm not as I'm not buying him at seven hundred thousand, um, and that that might happen. I'm very surprised he's in twenty one percent of teams. So that's the only other downside. You're not going to get a pod. It's I like him, and I think he could do well. The caveat is if those minutes dip and keep dipping, then it could be a bit of an issue, especially at his high ownership. Penasini, um, he's a big play for me this week. I'm, I'm keen on playing him versus the Titans. He's looked pretty good. Uh, are you playing Penasini this week to finish off on the Titans Eels? Yeah, yeah, he's in my team. Well, we'll both ride him, and I reckon he's uh, he's, he's shooing for fifty plus, so he's going to be a good one. Um, I think he's going to be running against Phil Sammy, so Sammy's not the best defender at the best of times, let alone when he's in the centres. So, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> Paramount Eels minus seven and a half dollar ninety versus the Titans. I, I don't understand that line. Top Sport just want to give away money, so Parramatta Eels on Top Sport they are on fire at the moment. And the Gold Coast Titans are the, the absolute. There's like seven different spectrums there at the end of away from the Parramatta Eels as to being on fire with that Tigers Titans game last week. So minus seven and a half and dollar ninety can't like it enough. Sharks Tigers second last game. Big talking point here, Wilfred Talakai starting center again. Looks like there's a couple of weeks that a groin is going to keep Connor Tracy on the sidelines for. Ikevalu might be back the following week. I personally don't think Ikevalu is. Uh, been there um, long enough just coming in this year or played well enough to cement any spot in the back line. So I'm not worried about him. I do think that Tracy will take his spot, though, in a couple of weeks because he was there last year. The Sharks love him there, um, and Talakai will be back on the bench. But Talakai has been traded in by a huge amount of people after getting 16 tackle busts last week and scoring 108 points. He was phenomenal. He was just an absolute animal defensively as well. He looked a lot better. 108 points with 16 tackle busts in it. That's why everyone's looking at him. Name the sun in the centres against the Tigers this week at only 435,000, a minus 40-odd break even. So the question becomes, Wilfred, you know, if you go in with the right expectations that he's not going to have this job for very long, he's going to be back on the bench, are you happy to be trading him out in three weeks when he's not going to be making any money anymore and just to take points for a week or two? I think that's what everybody's going to ask themselves, whether it's worth doing that. Yep, totally agree. I think if it wasn't for the fact that they're playing the Storm next week, I'd be a lot more interested but the storm could really put a dent in any cash generation. And also, you know, like he's been inconsistent his whole career. And look, maybe it's a brand new, brand new year. He's under a new coach. And then, you know, you speak about Tracy, like at the end of the day, this is a new coach. 
So what he did last year may not be as relevant. I, I don't know. I, I, Tracy was named to start this year, though, and he was great. the yeah. before so, he went down. So I would lean towards Tracy in that spot when he's back, and I think the slated return date is round eight at the moment. But, you know, there's still a lot of question marks over Talakai. You know, they, they, you say if he has another one or two games, he could cement that spot. Um, I could say, you know, within two games, he could have lost that spot too. <laughs> because- I don't think that he'll cement it. I just think that he'll he'll just have enough time to make yeah. money. Um, so like, if you're happy to get rid of him in three weeks, you, you can probably make money and score good points for two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, that's fair. And like I said, like I, I, mean, I took the punt on Teague Wilton, knowing it'd be a potential two-week turnaround. Uh, but, mm. you know, that was earlier in the season when there wasn't as many options. And, you know, I, I was pretty happy with Teague's score last week and just base and base attack. And I'm hoping he crosses at least for one or two tries this week. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good call. And that's one of those ones that was a bit of a 50-50 that can turn out pretty well for you for a quick one. Um I'm not on Talakai. I think there's, again, there's more important and better trades to do this week. And I just think he's a bit of a tweener. He's just, he's too in between being able to keep there for long enough to get the points out of him and too in between to be able to make enough money for long enough. And he's not cheap. So I just don't think he ticks enough boxes. Um, wouldn't surprise me. Like it could be, you know, IPAP 2.0 this year where Talakai just cements the spot and stays there and you go, why didn't I just get him in and just take the risk, you know? But it could go the other way too, you know? And then, you know, it's, it's going to be a, two-week trade out of 60, 70K, and then it, all of a sudden it becomes a bit of a waste. So um, I'm, I'm not on him. I, I would tell everybody that he's jumping on him, of which has you know, 9% of super coaches, that you need to really you know, consider what it's going to mean by getting him in, and as long as you're comfortable with that, then it's fine. Sione Katoa, ultimate pod for this one, Wilfred. Um, a little bit like a, a junior Campbell Graham, Daniel Tubo, only a couple of percent owned. Three tries in a row for scores of 80, 78, 71. I don't see that streak stopping. He's 563,000, so certainly you buy Tupo over him. Um, and he does have a lower base and lower base attack. But against the Tigers, um, I reckon that he could be looking at 100 plus this week. I'm putting him down for a double. So if you own Sione Katoa, uh, really good play this week. And even a sneaky VC, maybe you'll hit 120 or something. I do think he'll go good this week. The problem is that they got the storm the week after. So it's, it's really a big one week play. But geez. Love him to score points this week. Look, you know, Sione Katoa and Dillbags, they were my boys back when I think we had a long chat about them in 2020. I remember because you keep reminding me about it. And, you know, (laughs) I I brought them both up as options. Sione didn't go as well as Dillbags ended up doing for 2020, and I'll regret that. But, you know, I'll always have a fond spot in my heart for both these guys because, you know, I was really high on them. And I think, yeah, we're seeing that they can be really good for Supercoach. Uh, I drafted Sione in heaps of places. When I drafted him too, and I love it. It's yeah, so good. <laughs> absolutely. So, look, he's probably a bit rough uh, price-wise for Classic. Uh, I, I think if you're going to get someone, you'd lean Tupo or even Campbell Graham first. But yeah, like, he's going to score so many tries on that right wing. Like, you know, he did well in 2020 because it was the SJ to Katoa link. Right now, Nico and, and, you know, Kennedy, they're getting plenty of ball to him, and he's he's one of the best finishers in the game right now. He's he's so good, like in real life. Like he's he's a really good finisher. He's everything you want in a winger. I, I really like him. Um, guys to play for this one, Wilton and Tulagi. Um, you know, Wilton I think is a straightforward one. If you own Wilton, this is a really good play Straight this in. week for him. Yep. He he could get a try and go seventy five plus pretty easily. Tulagi though, you know, I I keep playing him because he looks so good and he scores well. Like he would have scored close to sixty points last game, and it was like the worst scoring supercoach game in seven years. 
but he went off at half time. So, yeah, but he's been injured two out of four games now, you know. So, what do you do? You know, do you take that risk? Cronulla is a pretty good defensive team, but he is a secondary four that has pretty good base for the way he runs the ball and how he gets involved. Or is it just a, you know, you bench him? I kind of feel like that the week like this that you say, well, I'm going to bench him because the Tigers are going to get flogged by the Sharks. It's the week that he plays a full 80 minutes and he scores 68 points or something. Look, to me, I'm happy if he does that. He'll do it on my bench. I just don't want to risk it coming off, you know, that shoulder. Like we thought he'd be gone for at least a week or two and he's back. So maybe it's because of the long turnaround. Either way, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit him. I'm not trading him out because I think he's still got money to come. Yeah. Uh, I would love to own Wilton this week to Alagi. I'm going to leave on the bench because um, I kind of agree with Wilford. I took the risk last week and got 29 points and I want to reset again. But I really would not be selling him, guys. I'm seeing a few teams doing it and do not sell him. He looks really good. As soon as he gets his 70 minutes or 65 minutes, he's going to score well and he's going to make a whole heap of money, 100K plus very easily. Uh, captain advice, captain for this one, Nico Hines, you mentioned is yours. I feel like that you keep looking at my team, Wilfred. Stare away from my sheep. <laughs> Nicholas Hines is mine. 85 score for the year on averages, and that includes a 44 last round uh, against this Tigers team. I mean, VC, Teddy, C. Hines looks like such a sexy play for my team. Um, I I can't get C. Hines enough, and I think that the great value is as well, like we spoke about with Pappenhausen, there's so many other good options this week that it's not going to be like everyone's going to jump on Nico and people are probably going to be put off by his 44 last week. Yeah, like that was, you know, he, he still scored 39 base base tack, kicked one goal. And mm. he, he kicked one goal from four attempts because he was kicking in like a typhoon or something like that. Yeah, it was really bad. So I don't blame him for missing those goal kicks. And I think he's going to get plenty much, much easier ones this week. So that floor is fantastic. You know, it's not quite Pappenhausen, but the amount of times he's touching the ball, just the attacking stats, they're going to come. And I reckon they'll come this week. So yeah, all aboard, uh, Captain Nico. 100% agree. Um, top score better of the week for this one. Dollar ten for the Sharks, so it's a little bit hard to bet on them anywhere. Minus 17 and a half looks pretty good at the dollar ninety. but I already spoke about my boy Sione Katoa, top sport for any time. We already saw the Daniel Tupo odds. Uh, Sione Katoa, dollar sixty five. you can get him at the moment. Less than Daniel Tupo, but still probably better than trying to bet on the line just to get a bit safer because I would be exceptionally surprised if he doesn't go over. Last game of the round is a blockbuster. The Bulldogs vs Panthers. The, the broadcasters just want absolute carve-ups for the last games or just ones that nobody wants to watch because it's a bludger and it's dinner time. But this one here, the big the big talk when we're talking about most trading, it's obviously going to be May. Uh, look, I've seen teams ask, you know, should I do this trade getting May in or this other trade? There's been a few of those questions. You know, not many, thankfully, but... As must a must have Wilfred as there is when you talk about must haves, you absolutely have to get May in at any cost. Tail and May, 106 points in round three, 97 points in round four. Uh, now averaging 102 in his first two games of first grade this year, minus 100 plus BE, have to get him in. Uh, there is absolutely no question that he's at the moment for me this season the number one trade target that anyone should have had so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I hardly, hardly ever use the words must-have and telling me is must-have. And the closest I'll say to that is Brian Pappenhausen is a must-have. That's about it. I won't call anyone else in the game a must-have, basically. <laughs> Mate, if you, if you don't get May in this week, just go and, go and do, I don't know, fantasy soccer or something because you just you <laughs> can't play fantasy NRL anymore because you're just going to be too disappointed, guys. So just don't do that to yourself. I want you to keep listening to the podcast. I want you to keep playing. 
get May in this week. Nathan Cleary, 160 break even. Uh, that's huge. So it's going to be very juicy for people that don't own Cleary. Um, I lamented with Billy on last week's Supercoach podcast, Wilfred, how crazy I thought it was that teams were tearing themselves apart to get in Cleary straight away. Like it just it blew my mind. I already said it all last week. He's got 34 points against the house on the weekend. Obviously plays the Bulldogs this week. You're going to wait and see. But I will say for the people that own him, you know, it's a huge pod play at the moment. And the Bulldogs could give him up a ton, even though it's only his second game back. So is he um, the ultimate pod captaincy option for this week? I can see the, the thought process behind it. I personally, there's no chance I'm doing that. Um, I mean, I captained Cleary for his 54 against the Bulldogs last year. So <laughs> let's just be clear. He's not a guaranteed ton at all uh, because he doesn't need to be. You know, there's so many weapons in that Panthers team. And he's coming back from a major shoulder surgery that's kept him out for, you know, a couple of rounds longer than he's originally expected to be out for. He's definitely not 100%. That's the way I'm reading it. Maybe it's not physically. Like maybe physically he's fine, but mentally he's not quite there. I, I think that Nathan Cleary being out so much over the last two seasons has meant that the Panthers have learned to play without him. And what that does is I think it's afforded the luxury of him coming back in and not needing to step up. Um, and there, there were stats last week that showed, you know, he ran a lot less, he did a lot less, he was involved a lot less, his usage with the ball in hand was a lot less. And all that was there because he could just slide in and the Panthers were going fine without him now. They've learned to play without him and they win without him anyway. So he doesn't have to push himself just yet to get out of second gear. Well, it's not even that. For me, like, he averaged 17 tackles a game last year. He only made nine this week and he missed seven. And that, to me, is because he's probably not 100% confident in that shoulder. Yeah, seven missed tackles is big. Definitely outliers for him. Like, he's generally a very solid defender. You know, he hits and sticks with his tackles. So for him to miss seven is not a good sign. And, you know, like I said, he averaged 17 tackles a game. Um, last year, I, I think the shoulder's playing on his mind and I want to see him get higher, uh, you know, build up that confidence before I'm going to really want to jump on. Because, you know, we talk about Cleary and his great floor and, and part of that floor is his ability to make heaps of runs and lots of tackles, uh, as well as obviously kicking a bunch of points uh, in terms of his goal kicks. Now, you know, you look at his scores from last year, the only times that he went large, like massive, was when he scored a hat-trick in at the magic round and also the week after that he scored a double any other any other game where he didn't score a try uh whether that's a try or without a line break or with a line break he didn't go above 103 i think for the rest of the scores or maybe 107 i can't remember uh so definitely his ability and confidence to be able to take the line on um you know and score tries and that obviously means taking contact uh i think that will cap his ceiling unless he's got that confidence there so to me, I'm just definitely week to week, I'm just going to watch him like a hawk. The moment I feel confident uh, that he's, you know, at that next stage and, and feeling that confidence and willing to, to really take that line on is probably when I really start taking, you know, serious plans to train him in. Yep. So do I take it by all of that as well with your confidence in him that you wouldn't, if you, if you were an owner, that you wouldn't look at a captaincy this week versus the Bulldogs? I just think there's better options ultimately. Um, I don't think I'd risk it, not yet anyway. Just having him already is a massive pod move. I just don't see a need to double down on it, basically. Yep, that's a fair point. And there is good captaincy options this week. Perhaps if it was a different week versus the Bulldogs last game, 
Um, I would do it. Yeah. Although, having said that, like there's teams that don't own Hines and they've got Cleary there instead because they went that route last week and they could only obviously see or VC one fullback. So certainly there'd be an argument to VC a fullback and, and see Cleary. I think that's where it can come into play because the fullback options and the halfback options are really the big Cs for this week and the good ones. So there is that. I do need to qualify the the stats too when I said 160 BE. He's only played the one game, so certainly that can change before he actually has a price change too. So if he does turn up this week, that might be more like 130 BE or 120 BE, but we're still talking about a, a big negative BE either way. Um, when we're looking at some of these other players in this side to finish up Wilfred, two guys that are interesting, uh, that you know, Kikau is a really good play this week, and I find him pretty interesting. If you've got him and you've held him, you know, this is the type of game where, you know, against the Bulldogs last year, he carved up and he got his ton. He's very likely to do that again. So certainly for kick owners that have been disappointed the last couple of weeks, potentially, um, I think that it's a big game for him, this one. But TPJ is interesting because Bengal Jr. is someone that I spoke about in the preseason a lot that I was really into. And then I, you know, had to trade him out because he didn't play round one and, and people just aren't getting on him for various and fair reasons. But he's scoring now. Um, he scored 82 points against the Storm last week with 50 raw base, played 70 minutes and had seven offloads. And that is in a game where they got flogged and dominated. I found that exceptionally impressive uh, impressive from him. Um, and even when he only played 50 minutes against the Broncos in round two, he still had 68 with seven offloads as well. So you know, obviously the 30 stinker against Manly, but it was only 46 minutes. To me, if his role continues at 570,000 at the moment, and he's playing at that 70-minute mark like he did last week against the Storm, he's going to absolutely brain it coming up because after this Panthers game, um, which, by the way, he played for the Panthers last year, so there might be a little bit of niggle and stuff in that one, which is always good for guys to get fired up. Um, Souths and the Broncos, pretty good for him potentially with his offloading in the packs. Roosters, Raiders, Knights, and then he hits the Tigers, the Dragons, and the Panthers in the bye. And I have made the comment that if I'm deciding between players, like if there's second row forward spots and I need someone under 600K and I'm looking at TPJ and uh, I don't know, someone else in that price range and I like them both, I'm going to pick TPJ because he plays that first buy and he's already shown that he's got an ability to score well against a better team. So he's largely get, getting unnoticed, but he's offloading at will and getting the tackle breaks as well. Yeah, look, obviously I'm a massive Pangai fan um, and, you know, super coach as well. It's definitely not going unnoticed for me. I just... You know, he's not a priority trade-in at the moment, but he's definitely coming into my team at some point, and especially as he's building his match fitness. He had a bit of a setback because he had that hammy concern earlier. So I think that's what the the Bulldogs were saying, they're just easing him back a little, and hence that's why he's playing the middle as opposed to the edge. But, yeah, look, if he keeps getting that offload going, and he's obviously been given the license to do it whenever he can, uh, you know, that's super coach gold. So yeah, all, all aboard. And I actually think I'd, I'd rather trade him in uh, or, or target him instead of a Cam Murray um, in the next week or two, just I think because of the price tag just works out a lot better. It's a big call, but I, like what I was going to say as well is that, you know, I, when we're talking about the unreliable guys, like he's unreliable as far as his role, but if you take that risk and say, okay, I'm going to risk that he's going to play those big minutes going forward. Really, after Cam Murray and um, IPAP, it's probably him. And people aren't really looking at it that way. And I think they should be, even for this week. I think he's a 65-plus score, uh, playing probably arguably the best team in the comp. 
Uh, May and Targo, I, I think that you absolutely have to play those guys at the moment until further notice with what they've shown. Um, play I'm every Panther them. you have, basically. Yeah, <laughs> look, if, if there's a Panther that's 18th man, trade them in and play them, they'll probably score 50. <laughs> <laughs> Going a bit far, Wilfred. A little bit. Um, <laughs> All right, well, look, that'll finish up TLT for us, I think. So thanks very much for jumping on, Wilfred. Always great to chat footy with you and even better to chat super coach. Uh, always, uh, always love coming on, like I said. Always a lot of fun. And, yeah, uh, thanks for the advice on Cooler. I think I will pull the trigger on that trade boost. <laughs> pull the trigger, you'll love it. He'll probably score nine now that I said it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if you want to hear more of Wilfred, um, he will be intermittently a guest on the All-Stars podcast because he's the ultimate All-Star being a prior winner of Supercoach, but also co-host of the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast, which you can jump on and listen to. For this podcast, we are everywhere, especially iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify, and now recently, the last month, added to also Audible and Amazon. Definitely follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All-Stars. And also, if you are going to gamble responsibly, jump on our sponsor, Top Sport, and use the promo code SC All-Stars to create an account today. It has been great talking about the upcoming round five matchups and Supercoach. Good luck with everybody's trades. We will have the TLT podcast again next week for Supercoach, dropping at the same time around Wednesday. But this week, we've got one more podcast at the end of the week, dropping uh, Friday afternoon is going to be the Talk and Footy podcast, which there's a huge amount of topics to cover. So make sure you don't miss that one. Good luck with the games. Enjoy the footy. We'll chat again soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get 